listening to Thursday Nights, Season 4, Episode 107, Can We Kill Live from Nevada. <laughs> <laughs> Underdark. <laughs> the Underdark. A dismal place. Hive of scum and villainy. Hey. What? A lot of people. What? People live here. It is, <laughs> it is a hive, dude. Yeah, I mean, we've been killing them fast as we can. What a minute. Wait. Black Corp. We're just uh, six people. Our heroes. Such as Baron, Mock, Bearjaw, Oilvane, Drewston, Scrimcorn, Aurora. And are friends joined, Betsy. and Betsy, the newest bastard of the Betsy the oh. the Boulette, uh, are here just outside of Deep Amascar, having escaped through the uh, secret tunnel known only to House Casiqua, or perhaps only even known to those in the Casiqua Experimentation Center. You find yourselves discussing the recent revelations. This music is a little too, like, creepy. Sudden. You have, like, a cave soundtrack? Yeah, I, I got it. <laughs> this is one I've been using. So, you find yourselves discussing with Taita the next courses, course of action. So, Taita will clarify. Let's see, where are we? Where are we? We're in the middle of a conversation. I believe it's always a little hard to come right back. Physically, to. we were at the mouth of the tunnel that was, yes. we had right. taken to get there. And we had and broken we had... off from talking to Taita to talk with the paladins. Of the yeah, yeah we've been we doing a couple of messages back and forth. You've, you've just learned all that, short the, messages, that the hands think... of Ao are headed in this general direction, headed towards the east. They said that the weird sisters, their name for uh, Scrimcorn's witches are uh, are on the move in some literal or metaphorical sense, and that they are headed in this general direction. Many, many, many options have been discussed. Taita, I think the first order of business is for us to decide which way that we are headed. We're still in your backyard. Do you have uh, some best options to present? Uh, he says, I've given it some thought in the last five minutes or so, but it felt like a week or so. A lot of time to think. And I see, I see only two viable options, perhaps a third. Uh, I suppose there are three. One is you could walk out of the Underdark up to the surface. That's a considerably lengthy journey as I understand it. So it's, the other is to head back into uh, Fakon's city and head back through whatever method it was that you used to get here in the first place. I'm a little fuzzy on those details, but as I understand it, it's not the official way that the tourists come through. Fine bros? Well, I think they buggered off. They're gone. They're definitely not in deep oh, they, they gave us 
they were clear that what they were giving us was a one-way ticket. So that method might be available to get out, but not from the people that we got it so from. So did, like, it wasn't a safe place for them. They would drop us off and then head back the way they came to have their romantic honeymoon somewhere or whatever. Yeah, well, let, let's hear her out. Let's hear her out. Well, that was that idea. Let's head back three. the way you came. You got here some way. I'm not talking about the method. I'm talking about you came through something. You were on the surface, and then you were down here. We were like in a tiny lantern that made us feel like shit. Was the lantern what caused you to travel down here? Oh, 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 no, there was a portal oh, from there you know, the a seal portal. That's what we're looking the, for. The Great Seal, or, or beyond it? The Smuggler's Portal. Mm. Oh, that's right. Yeah, if you guys are forgetting, you came through okay. a portal. A secret portal <laughs> that only the smugglers know about. The smugglers uh, well, on the Haya Mascar side, only those that are in the so-called yeah. smuggling organization. As it, has, well, as it was explained at the time, on the Deepa Mascari side, that's more like the main trade route, yeah. and uh, you know, and they have the shows for show. That trade. they told us is right. The official route is just a show. It's a yeah. farce. It's, I'll suppose it's if, uh, window dressing to hide the actual trade. If it is a main trade route, it would maybe hard to find. Well, you know where it is because you, you came through. Oh, I mean, I'll remember where it is. The risk <laughs> of that is, of course, the city is on high alert and they happen to be looking for six or seven individuals specifically uh, using disguises to uh, impersonate others. And she looks to each of you. And what's the third option? On the exit side of that portal, I don't know if we can really trust that we'd have a truly welcoming reunion in High Mascar. Uh, hmm. Yeah, it doesn't come out in High Mascar, if you remember. It comes out in a like, cave away outside. from away from High Mascar. Yeah. But it was in, wasn't it? The smugglers. I don't remember actually where it was the physical smugglers. location of the other portal was. Remember we when that the guy fishing and you, then we went. You had to fly in your balloon a ways, oh, really? and then land, and it was in a cave on the side of the road. Yeah, I thought it was the smugglers' portal. It was. Yeah, we killed a lot of smugglers and their leaders and stuff. So Scrim is saying, "That's it, true. It's not." That but yeah, guy. go ahead. Go ahead. We we kind of left High Mascar, making a lot of enemies on the way out. Some friends, but friends I don't think we can. A lot of I wouldn't rely on. Says, okay, so that method uh, carries with it some risk and bloodshed. Says, uh, there is no way for us to do this without risk and bloodshed every step of this way, to be clear. That has been our journey so far? Says, yes. Mm -hmm. So I'll imagine it will continue to be so. That's option two. Option three is a bit more unknown, but in my capacity as the, as the, uh, Leaders of lame word. What am I? Facilitator. Authority. You're in charge of something or other. The the head, the in charge of something or other person at the Casico. Lead individual contributor. I have ears in a lot of Director. rooms like in my Director. former uh, state of consciousness, and I hear people talk a lot and. Uh, the word seems to be that the uh, that the Boravi uh, that the Boravi mine, uh, the Boravi crystal mine, has been in recent months taken over uh, taken over by Dwergar, and that uh, that that could be a conceivable option for getting to the surface in a much swifter manner. Future ally. In what way? How so? 
Mas- the Baravi. Oh. Illogically offended, given that he's been impersonating the Baravi for so long. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? She says, the Baravi, back when last, uh, let me say, when last the House Baravi was in charge of Deep Amaskar, uh, as a show of uh, great political influence, they uh, engaged in a massive operation to uh, to build a mine shaft nearly all the way up to the surface. Oh. It was a demonstration of economic prowess to prove to the people that we could end trade relations with High Amaskar and still be able to deal with the surface world on our own and we didn't need them and etc. etc. They fell out of power shortly afterwards as the project was grossly mismanaged and the funds spent terribly. It uh, overran budget and timelines for decades. decades. But it was, on the whole, overall successful at being a mineshaft. But it was abandoned once the most valuable uh, materials were taken and the show of, uh, in in its original show of economic independence was no longer cared about. It sat dormant for hundreds of years since then. It's fairly near our front doors most of the time. The other underdark powers don't choose to run any operations so close to us. They know to fear us. You said it had been taken over by what? Oh, by Dwergar. You said that. I did. You said it had been taken over by Dwergar? Oh, ah, yeah, they moved in, apparently, using it to mine out the materials that we don't find so useful, these other races. Uh, they find value in iron and gold and other useless minerals. You don't find gold useful? Spoken like the surface races, value by rarity is no value at all. We choose to only engage in expensive mining operations for those materials that hold true objective value. Iron is not useful to you. Uh, Not nearly as much as devil iron, which we have a suitable source of. I mean, for very fancy detailed things, but I assume you've iron Hinges. Your, your devil iron mining seemed to be going swimmingly when we came along. There no are problems there. Hiccups when you want the best. That is true. He says oh. we can also trade for iron uh, with the surface races when we do need it. We use iron, of course. We just don't find it worth our labor to mine it ourselves. I'll vote for option three. <laughs> like Moxes. I like can't be idea. sure uh, at this mine shaft of how much infrastructure the Dwergar have put in place. If they have restored the lift that was once there, it could be a swift way to the surface indeed. But that was dismantled by our empire when it was officially, when the project was officially abandoned. Seems like there's perhaps a bit more open, open conflict to be had in the mines as much as it would feel comfortable to be back in those, that environment. I would be pretty comfortable killing some Dwergar right about now. Indeed. But uh, fighting at every level may not be the fastest and least risky solution. I'm curious to know if there's what the chances are of getting a guide through the Underdark where we to travel with the first option. Someone who is a true expert and could help us to pass quietly. Alright, what's the fastest? I could potentially send word... Uh, back into the city. Actually, scratch that. I can easily send word back into the city 
find somebody that is knowledgeable of these caverns and head our way up, but Deep of Ascar is, as they say, quite deep down in the Underdark. It would be a multi-month travel at the very least. Oh, it's I agree that it is the safest option of the three. I... The Dwargar would be fighting on their territory, in a manner of speaking. One have we as I've chosen the safe option. Mark starts itching as if as if the curse is yeah. making him uh, mm-hmm. a little bit reactive. He's like, I feel my skin. She I'm says, "Yes." To it. The timeline that is a good uh, is a good point of conversation to have as well. I've been looking at the uh, I've been continuing to decipher the uh, the printout from the forensics lab yeah. and trying to discern what additional details we can get. There is more yet here to be discovered. I believe we could fairly accurately judge the speed of uh, uh, the speed of this curse taking hold by taking a couple more additional measurements of your bodies after uh, after some time has passed. I mean hours. And uh, using that, I am fairly confident that we could get an accurate account of how much time we have left before, as you said, I think in the scope of everything goes south. The journey we're considering a few hours is nothing. We should, hmm. we should get a, an accurate read before making any decision. Would you agree? And it's turned into Dwarga. Ah, it turns out it's 45 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's in Wergar. That's the situation. Well, should have taken a reading after a minute, it turns yeah. out. Yeah. I, uh, could use a, a, a bit of time to study, uh, look up some things that could help us on the journey ahead. Perhaps eight hours of time. Mm. I personally do not think we should stay here right outside the town for that amount of time. This is a risky position to be, but it does keep our three options open. I'd rather fight Dwergar than a Mascari. The the city seems full of risk and unknowns. I'd rather put it in my, my, you know, over my shoulder. Hindsight. Hindsight. Well, the Mascari don't seem like inherently bad people. Where's the Dwergar? Uh, they seem inherently bad. <laughs> I mean, I'm inclined to agree with this conclusion, uh, but I am but a follower in this operation, and we'll go with what you all decide. Uh, okay. May I propose we head towards the mine shaft, but find a place, a safe place to make hump and uh, prepare ourselves. I. Uh, again, the shaft is about one day's travel. So unless, close. Unless we know, unless we know close. when this effect will take place, we shouldn't make any final decisions. If it turns out we have six months, why would we risk a perilous road when there's time yet to achieve the surface? Well, let's travel first. We'll talk on the way. Alright. And so, you head out. Bear jaw carrying the lion's share, with Betsy available as a pack animal um, to carry pl- plenty that of. Thing might dive at any second. And Mark painted up a cart. He I know. A cart he did create a little damage. cart. Um, it's a little ramshackle, as any. Inside of Betsy, is that right? Yeah, she's been like she's been etched. more than etched. That's she got awesome. tattooed. Yeah, absolutely. She's she's been scrimshot, effectively. Yeah. Correct. Scrimshot. Scrimshark. Scrimlet. Tooled. <laughs> you had a question there? Not bejazzled. 
up at you. Uh... Does Bearjaw still carry all the stuff on her back, unless given someone, the availability? Unless someone sneaks it off of her, yeah. So she doesn't even, like, if suggested, no, she'd decline, there's, and there's she no wouldn't even suggest it. So Bearjaw carrying the lion's share of the group's, uh... It's not like it's a burden. No. The group's, uh, equipment on her back. Uh, mock astride Betsy, uh, Betsy the Boulette, as you are trudging it through the Underdark. You only barely travel along the beaten path that you are uh, that you are now semi used to, having traveled it twice uh, to head towards the Neothalid. This place cuts off south, and uh, where the Neothalid was more straight uh, west, this is south from Deep Mascar. You take a wide path to make sure to get uh, plenty of room from any Deep Mascari scouting parties or any such people coming out the front door of Deep Mascar, and you head south through the Underdark. It takes most of the day. There are many points of conversation to be had. Uh, in this first bit of travel. Uh, as you begin, Taita is spending the entire time, she's just walking, and she walks just, like, perfectly straight as she's staring at the the parchment, uh, uh, the parchment that holds the sort of shifting runes, the printout from the Spell Forensics Lab. It's a little unnerving to look at her because she doesn't, like, look up occasionally to uh, uh, to make sure she yeah, doesn't trip on anything. has to hold on to Mock's back when he does the same thing. I want to yeah. yeah. think that her scientific data is like their storybooks, so she's not looking at a parchment. She is, like, entering into a VR interface yeah. every time she looks at this parchment. It's like a QR code. Yeah. Yeah. She's certainly, it's like... Pure data. She's pure certainly data. sort of yeah. consciously uh, sort of disappears exactly. from the situation as she's looking at it, but she's just continuing mm-hmm. to walk forward, and then she'll occasionally look she'll need to look up and just say, interesting, and then look back. It's like C-3PO continues. that sometimes she makes these sound effects of what is happening in her head. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Actually, just paper that says dwarves yeah. equal dwarves. <laughs> Interesting. Dwarves. I can't understand. <laughs> dwarves plus time equals. Okay. Um, Drewston. Something. As they're walking, it's kind of going through his notes. He's still got that elithid uh, staff of striking on his back. Oh god. And he's been kind of setting it, exactly. making notes on it, and then he comes up to Mock, who is riding the Betsy. And uh, he, he's become fond of this Betsy as well. Betsy's kind of good nature. It, through his yes. observational yes. nature, he knows the spot on Betsy to scratch that makes Betsy's leg go bam, 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 bam. You gotta go harder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Through the armor. So he takes out his shovel. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and he says, I am Betsy. <laughs> and, yeah, she just gives you a, a deep, throaty rumble. Oh, yeah, sure. Oh, Uncle Felder could have, have any idea what would wind up with his shovel, eh? Uh, puts away the shovel. You gotta bring the shovel into things more often now that it's on my next ah, Very good, very good. Uh, uh, and he says, uh, oh, Cousin, I've been looking at this uh, here stuff and uh, oh, it, it's made for melee combat. It's a, it's a good thing we didn't get up close to the uh, uh, mind flare. Uh, but I, I really have no use for it. I've already made sketches for my reliquary. Oh, cousin, I, I, I see you with your head shaver. 
Would this may be a more accurate weapon for you? And he like does some like thrust with it. Mark looks down and he's like, oh, that's a that's an interesting story you have there, Drustin. Oh, with this crescent nature and long gnarliness, I would have thought it were uh, setting fireballs or healing, you know, healing crowds of the injured, like all the many staffs we've come across. Mm, you say it's for giving a knock or two. Let me have it. What? I mean, he carefully passes it up. Yeah, and he uh, he picks it up and holds it, gives it a twirl. He's like, oh, it does have a nice balance, but Jen uh, is the hitting end. It seems a bit fragile. <laughs> oh, oh, it does appear a bit pieced together, cousin, but those mind flayers have a, a wicked sense of engineering. I mean, you have seen their work, surely. The Dwargar themselves are gnarly and, uh, and yet dangerous fools. He gives like a, like a, like a, like a bit of a, of a kind of like a, uh, a rack and it kind of like, it flexes just a little bit. He says, what do you reckon it's made of, Drusen? Seems like I'll snap it over my leg if I try too hard. What are the stats on it? Uh, it has a plus three bonus to attack and damage, quarter stat. Jesus. It has <laughs> ten charges. When you hit with a melee attack using it, it can expend up to three of its charges. Where each charge you expend, the target takes an extra 1d6 force damage. Ooh. And then it, it gains them back. Uh, if you expend the last charge, roll a d20. And it would never happen. No, it's yeah. super unlikely. Yeah. We don't yeah. roll ones at this table. If you rolled a one. Statistically impossible. It would become a non-magical quarter staff. Okay. It does not it dissolve. It just becomes a staff. Uh, yeah, but as he's like thrusting with it, suddenly it just is like, and like extra, yeah. it, like the the I like the idea that it's slightly organic in material, mm. like it's pieced Strange. together, but it's not like pieced together like with duct tape. It's like different it's organic materials melted. melted. There's like some yeah. uh, some like tightness shell like on muscle it, fiber muscle there. fiber looped around some Gross. bone spurs, yeah. stuff like that. Oh, so it's kind of grotesque. Yeah. yeah, and when you use yeah. it and uh, you activate the force, it like visibly flexes. And then releases just this blast of like uh, not psychic but Horrific, just like magical yeah energy. with even like a little like scream like <laughs> it's uh, a bit of an unsettling tool here but uh, I'll definitely give it a look. Kind of flexes it again like see if we can get it to like screech a little bit and he's like well I'll find a place in my pack to to store it and he's got right now you know he's he's got his head shaver which. It's kind of like racked kind of across his back. It's like the only way you can mm-hmm. fix it to his short well, frame well, without so it like yeah. hitting every door frame and like knocking against the ground. Mm. But then he has like the, the big old like uh, hellfire lance, which he's now like strung aside uh, Betsy, you know, just for special occasions. Mm. And he takes this one and kind of like, like puts it on the other side of her, kind of like a little bit like, you know, like a gun rack kind of. Kind of going down the, the sides of, of her, her her flanks, and he's like, ah, I'm getting quite the arsenal here. At the very least, cousin, uh, that mind flare being an outcast, I'll, I'll imagine this thing has been crafted and repaired a number of times. It looks like you can study the history of it and see the very ways it was repaired and built over the years. I will say that very little is known, as far as my understanding. Of, uh, of the Elithids and uh, the Dwergar and their, their ways of construction. They, they of course, have uh, uh, fairly advanced materials working. 
but the, the psychic abilities are very unknown to, uh, to dwarven, dwarven smiths. They simply play no part in our construction. It would be interesting to see what can be leveraged with their technology. Scrim calls up from his his spot in the uh, in the marching order. Says, "Ah, nothing more appropriate for a future Dwergar than a devil iron lance in one hand and a mind flare weapon in the other." Mm. <laughs> uh, Scrim uh, or uh, Mark looks over and he's like, yeah, "I like the decorations on your staff too, Healer." <laughs> 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 See if I cure you. What have you next time? He's like, uh, he's like, sight run on all of you! At some point, as Baron is walking along and fetches up to Bearjaw's massive path to pinch out some of his food that he stashes there, um, he does comment. So, do the do Goliaths use beasts of burden at all, or is that. Foreign to your culture. Uh, more offensive. <laughs> I mean, you're rather strong as you are, right? Do you use oxen or dragging heavy loads, or do you just all carry things on your back? Sometimes. There are things that even a Goliath cannot carry on one's own. Oh, so you do have domesticated beasts and whatnot. I don't know if I would call them domestic. I did see they had bunnies or goats when we went and visited goats, that yes, one village. Yes, yes, the goats. Oh, I would Rich. kill for some good goat milk right now. I think I would really kill someone for it. I miss it. Only every Goliath jugged out to me. It was just mm, milk yes. honey. Can you do that? An endless jug of milk. Goat milk. Goat Very milk specific. What milk do you drink? I think I have... Just dwarf milk? Don't drink a lot of milk. Oh. Just dwarf milk. Goat I haven't milk. had dwarf milk in... Oh... Nigh on two centuries. Taita perks up from her thing. She says, One thing I do miss about having a physical body is goat milk. <laughs> they have underdark goats? Says, or do I you take them it, from the surface? I used to have it uh, specially imported from the surface. Uh, it was, surface milk. It was my uh, God, favorite. How fast would you have to get it here? It would go bad. Favorite, favorite indulgence. Magic? It was very expensive. I would assume they could preserve it with magic or something. Mm. Yes, but such that. a thing uh, does increase the import costs considerably. Yes, no she guy. takes out a scroll that says um, it's goat this one. milk is, dot yes, exe goes program or is that? just not the same. <laughs> <laughs> uh, some, sometimes you can get a good uh, friendly bear to pull something. Bears? You no. domesticate bears? I did not say bear domesticate milk? them. I say if it was friendly, you could get well, it to pull something. A beast of burden. They're very strong. But also bear milk. Usually what Is this like when you had the fox go and spy in Scrim Corner? I remember hearing yeah, about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can ask and you can you can offer things uh, for a good amount of honey, you know. You can just hold it in front of them and they'll pretty much follow you around. Scrim sidles up. Fascinating. Hands you a wooden cup. Of some kind of sludge-looking stuff. Are you going to dare me to drink this? Because I'll do it. <laughs> it's a bit of yogurt from an animal down here. Something close to a goat. Yeah, John drinks it without question. It tastes terrible. It's <laughs> she tolerates it. I'm gonna. Roll it does a... not taste like goat milk. Oh, okay, that's a 14 constitution, <laughs> constitution saving throw. She does not throw up. <laughs> 
She goes, mmm, educational. So she swallows hard. A mug full of challenge. <laughs> a mug of cottage cheese, how I nice. Have, I have defeated it. Taita interrupts. Uh, it's time to take the next measurement. <laughs> uh, I am the tallest. Take I will go first. She waves her hand and says, not you. It oh. should be the two dwarves that have been most affected by the curse. You have the greatest representation to the larger dwarven population. You're probably, in fact, a bit more infected than most others, being the direct descendants of someone who wore the cursed gems themselves. Nice. So if we find out its rate of advancement on you, we could, I, I believe we could consider that a worst-case scenario for the larger dwarven population. Worst-case scenario. Alright, shine your magic light thing on me again, I guess. <laughs> Excuse me, this is a sophisticated uh, magic implement. magical implement. Uh, and she pulls out her little Ghostbusters uh, measuring tools. Again, takes that little uh, vial. You still have the vial of uh, of the essence. A little bit is reduced because it was sort of sucked into the machine, became a little bit of that distillation. So as a reminder, there are now two little crystal vial things. The original one that was extracted from the One is dull. One is glowing. And one the teeny tiny one that like, glows bright and she uses the reduction. The she uses the original one, sticks it into the uh, machine and then holds it up to Baron as the little the little ears on the device you pop up. turn around? Or what do you says, yeah, yeah, let's see. And she holds it up to your head and down low and goes all the way down to your feet and says, mm, interesting. And then she uh, holds it here uh, towards your shoulder and the other shoulder. Uh, let's see. I actually had all the readings I needed in the first couple seconds. That was humor. You and get that mold she out. holds it up to Mog and just mold. gets a measurement and then stops. Your bedside manner is lacking. Not a doctor. <laughs> it's coming from a cleric, so he does know what he's talking right. about. I'm sorry, it's not a doctor. I will acknowledge that I have a bit to learn in how to once again interact with uh, interact with peers in a physical body sense. Well, I, how good were you at it back when you had a body? It has been a very long time since that was the case. Right, but were you any good before? He says it was a lifetime ago. Almost everything that I was good at and not good at is... Who can say? They're all dead. How how old are you? I am in a absolute sense of time, which can be a difficult thing to define in a, a general sense, given the theories of, uh, of, of the chronomatic uh, impact. Period. Are you older than an elf? Uh, she says, which well, elf? Were you all around when a mass turtle was one nation? Says, oh, heavens no. Oh, There's... okay, then I do need to know. Then I'm not interested. <laughs> She the reliquary does not concern with you. He says, last time I did the math, uh, I was around 1,300 years old. Shit. <laughs> You're so old. But you've been so here the whole time. He says, I have. You gotta get out of here, man. <laughs> See the world. Well, uh, that is a side benefit of engaging on this activity with you. I have been content in my operations in Deep Mascar. You should meet Essen. He's another old codger he managed to get out on the road. You'll get along with him. You have more companions on the surface. Uh, I, although we've, I haven't been in contact with them in a bit. 
We'll have to touch bases when we get up there. That mm. seems strange. Seems like it's pretty easy for you to just send a simple check-in every once in a while. I you never know. thought of it. Do you way. even care about them? <laughs> uh, says, I, at any rate, I have the... <laughs> <laughs> what a, a bit occupied. <laughs> what a robo-bitch. <laughs> now that you feel I uh, have what I need. Upgrade your firmware. God. And uh, she... Uh, she sort of touches a couple of the runes Friendship on the device as they glow, and then she uh, she takes out the parchment and she starts talking to Drewston. She says, "The key is when this uh, when the light from this distillation reflects off of it, the runes change shape and uh, orientation." As she does it, and Drewston can see oh, them. Like, it's such a combination of like physical ink, but also there's a, there's a heavy arcane influence here. But this is not like a spell that's casting. It's not doing its magic. It has been spent. This is like an enchanted item that is no longer working. It's just being the way it was enchanted. But he can tell the way that the runes shift, that there's just like a dense amount of information on one piece of parchment, which perhaps is the thing most interesting mm-hmm. to Jurston about it. Um, and she says, yes, uh, interesting. Oh, uh, what a coincidence. It's a very round number. Uh, she says, it looks from the readings on both of you and the two readings match within an accuracy of less than a day that we have about one year before the, uh, before the transformation is complete, almost to the day. And uh, what sort of... Is it a consistent transformation? Like, am I now one three sixty fifth Dwergar? Because when you ask questions like that, it gives me confidence that we will be successful in our mission. (laughs) Says, says that will sound logic, cousin. (laughs) Well done. She says, I need to piece that together. One more reading, and I should be able to compare the rate of physical transformation with transformation of the internal uh, blood and essence of your being in order to understand the rate at which the different parts of your, uh, uh, as you, as a singular entity, is transforming. That should help us understand how long it would be until the dwarves, without being told what's going on, would notice that something is wrong. Mm. That seemed to be a large part of your consideration here. Aye. Hmm. Box says. Well then, we should be able to take another reading uh, about the time that we uh, about the time that we make camp tonight. Hmm. Very good. So we have real options. Uh, at two months. Going through the Underdark was a fairy tale. Not 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 truly something that would have served our end. Uh, did she say two months? Is there a two no, months? She said thing? a few months. A few months. But that's for sure got to be less than 12 by... Uh, less uh, than 12 <laughs> months, but the general consideration given... Uh, the, the, the official... The, uh, the, the What's the word? General assumed Census. wisdom... The consensus. The con- that's it. Wisdom. The conventional wisdom uh, uh, amongst our people is that it's about a six months travel to the surface. Oof. With ah, the right, is a few. with yeah. the right guide, perhaps we could cut that down to four, maybe three, whether knowing the right shortcuts, the right tricks. As has been our experience so far, cousin. Time is the one is one resource we do not have. I, we have to get up to the surface as quickly as possible, because we we do not know the 
the time cost of the, the tusks before us? I disagree, Drustin. Uh, you can say what you, what, you, what you like about fate. There's no guarantee of our survival. Uh, if we know that we only need a few months to contact the rest of the dwarves to, to circumvent this outcome, why would we risk more than we need to? Six months is a great amount of time. Do we have any idea of how to circumvent this outcome yet? Has that been a... Did we come Maybe. up on that while we were discussing things? We talked no. about the pool of point souls. In time, no. We have no clue how to stop the uh, the ever-encroaching uh, march of time. We know Titan no more. If a few of us fall on the journey, we're right talking I will mean, no more. We drink Deja. I am learning all the time. <laughs> That's your alcohol and inhibit in shame. I can't believe I finished all that. Imagine no more. All we but, know that Deja knows is where the pool of souls is, as a quick I, reminder. Right. And that's But if a few are. I'm willing to put my own life on the line for the sake of the clans. To get us to the surface faster. To get answers faster. To get the word out faster. Drusen, you realize it was a mere four months ago that we met in Oakhurst. Imagine what we can do in six. Imagine what we can do with six more. He says, uh, how confident are you that we're up to this challenge of the Dwergar? You just calculate. Oh, in the past few days, we have defeated a Mind Flare. A Neolithid and a city bent to kill us. And a black dragon. I wouldn't say that we defeated it. We survived it? I'm convinced we can survive this mineshaft. Who's in our. And our people have war. been fighting the swarms of. the, the scourge of the Dwergar for generations. And an elemental tempest. You, Aye. you see no risk in us changing oh. to Dwergar, afflicted by Ladaguar. And going into area controlled by the Dwergar? That's a risk, cousin. What if they are able to detect our presence and their psychic abilities? We don't know how those work. They could be walking into the walking walking into uh, the the bees nest. We could always run and run through the underdark. But it is a risk worth taking, cousin. He says, "I vote to play it safe." He says, uh, "There's no more. There's no." There's no wolves at our heels. For the for once, we have a chance of doing something of significant risk and being able to mitigate that. Seems like wisdom to me. How long will the mineshaft take if all goes well? If the Dwergar have uh, if the Dwergar have completed repairing or building their own lift system to go up the shaft, it uh, I would expect it would only be a two-day travel or so to reach the surface. We'd be heading straight up. The challenge of moving up in the Underdark is the vertical movement. It's a lot. He says, your kind, as well as mine, can only walk up a slope so steep. And if if the lift isn't completed already, how long would it take? There are multiple possibilities. We either backtrack and continue along the long journey, finding a guide or not, head back to Fakon City and head through the portal that you mentioned, or perhaps the 
uh, the twisting passages of the mine, uh, the mining operation itself could provide a footpath to get up, although then we would be facing the threat of the Dwergar. A lift would be best, because they'd be unlikely to chase us on the lift. Simply need to defend ourselves at certain points where it, take, where it uh, lets off. Grim says, <clears throat> We walk by foot in the Underdark. I worry that us being a magnet to complications could take that hopefully three months into at least six. I mean, travels through the Underdark are certainly not that. They're, they're dangerous as well. That's not a guaranteed safe. She ensures it's the safest. Of of our options, probably, aye, because we have more time and airship. Only because the going in the mine shaft has a guaranteed risk. Well, just my details, my intel on what exactly risks we face in the mine shaft are spotty. Says, but traveling through the Underdark does carry its own sort of risk itself. I, I it seems with a guy, dude. What, more what, known. What I'm saying is that even with the least risky route of walking through the Underdark, trouble seems to find us, so I wouldn't have high hopes that it would be as smooth as we want it to be. I'd rather get the danger over with and be back on the surface by the time the septicemia are due to find us. How when are they due? Eight days. I would also, Which way would you rather be in the Underdark? I would rather pick the battlefield, find where we're going to engage them, and what if we end up not two days in, but ten days through that mine shaft? We have no opportunity, but we have Dwergar to our back and Septicemia to our front. What of the hands of Ale? They are perhaps know. nearby if we can contact but them. The we idea. need to figure out more information about that rendezvous. They said they were coming our way, but I didn't have a good sense of they'll meet us in six months or they'll meet us in six days. Do you need to rest before you contact them again? Uh, As Baron takes stock of his strength and mental... But in the morning, may I suggest we make comp for at least a day, weigh our options, gain intelligence, and then make a decision. Uh, Baron actually can cast sending uh, two more times today. So... If we can find out how close they can rendezvous, if we could tell them to meet us at the top of wherever this mine shaft goes out, it would make it much more attractive. If they're already down here in the Underdark, then walking to them. You're right. We we would benefit greatly from more knowledge of their plans. Brief technical question. What happens if spells that are third-level spells don't show up in the fourth-level spell slot? You can still cast them with the fourth level. They okay, just, they, they just don't, don't have an effect. They just don't have a higher level. Oh, they don't have a scaling. They don't yeah. have a scaling it's just feature. A sending, there's no like, hey, now you can talk to two people at once or something. I mean, they probably put them really. in the higher level slots just to show you, hey, these are spells that yeah. scale. Gotcha. So I can blow a fourth to cast a third. Okay. Yeah, I can do it twice. Um, it'd be a good idea. Get more information. Uh, I'll contact them now. There's no reason really to wait. Because, because at the end of the day, I would rather avoid the hands of Ao at almost any cost, as I think I've made clear. I would like to posit as well that uh, a shaft that that goes... Hang on, was that your complete thought? No, it was not. Oh, okay. Because you were saying you don't want to meet the hands of Ao, and it sounded like that didn't support everything else. But I'm role-playing the interruption, which is the character of all of our characters. Fair enough. So honestly, do continue. (laughs) <laughs> I, I would say, while well, we're debating our various options, a shaft that goes from where we are all the way to the surface is going to be the grandest thing that I've ever seen in my <laughs> entire days. I would 
at least want to go take a look at the thing. <laughs> it's an architectural marvel, to be sure. Now, Baron is really speaking to Bach. Yeah, that was straight manipulation yeah, I've ever heard of. Baron is learning something from Bach. A wonder a I mean, wonder that's not of engineering. That's Baron speaking from the heart. He wants to go see this. <laughs> I'm sure a dwarven tear will roll down each of our cheeks. But... Well, I would avoid meeting that. Even if we don't go, ah. just take a quick look. We can say, oh, it's a terrible idea. We shouldn't go. But Tom, look at the thing. I mean, I admit it would be mildly interesting. But while I would like to avoid them, they do seem like they would be... Would anyone like to try us? Oh. Oh, cheers, though. Cheers! cheers. Oh. <laughs> trying to sign so up. Keep going, keep going, keep going, scrim coin. <clears throat> Meeting up with them seems wise before at least to talk to them about the septicemia coming. I'd rather have as many hands on deck as possible. <laughs> hands available. If they're, they are. If they're eight available. days away, I agree. Finish it. Then we mitigate the risks of the journey with the possibility of having allies against the septicemia when they arrive. We know how formidable the hands of Eo are, though we be loath to admit it. Alright. The septicemia... And they will be ones specifically tailored for that fight. We would all, them and us, would hope so. Interesting. I have not slept well each of these nights, and doubt I will until a septicemia arrive. It will not be a pleasant encounter. What do you think the witches will do should we defeat the septicemia? Will she send more? I've honestly, honestly, Baron... Most of their motivations recently have confused me. None of this seems in line with everything I've taught and everything I've known. I've known them to to, to follow. Maybe they're being manipulated just as Amberhelm was. I mean, that's Don't possible. Know. But it was the... Idea put forth by the hands of Ao, I know as loath you are of them, uh, of them trying to not being true gods or something. Perhaps they're trying to get a hold of Snowbane's god spark or whatever to rectify that situation. We saw how young Drusten act when, acted when he became close to his goals. He does, he does, hi, he does. Yes. Honestly, the hands of Ao gave us nothing but cryptic and condescending I thought they were pretty claims. They were formidable. We we had to fight tooth and nail for everything we got from them. Aye. And as formidable as they were, exhausting. Yeah, Jowl was pretty hot, but she's also really scary. Well, you might be... Anyone who's suitably hot is also scary. if, (laughs) If we have to fight them, we'll make sure... You go toe to toe in a private environment with that dark elf. Still voted most likely to get laid. <laughs> I mean, in a fight with that crew, I think yeah, probably well, true. No, I could manage it. It's but you did. It's as but could There's two of us. So, so I don't know. I don't like to brag. I don't Actually, know if like there's a brag. grain of truth in what they said about all that godliness stuff, and frankly, was never really. as important to me as I still believe much of what I was taught 
and have sought after my whole life. No, I agree. Their, their attempts to, if that's what this is, to gain more godly stature really don't fit with any other theology or dogma that they may have had before. It's sort of an unrelated... I don't know. None of it makes sense. It doesn't make much sense, I agree. So I say, if we can get up, if, so we should contact them, because where we rendezvous will dramatically change where I think we should go, which would be to hasten our rendezvous with them. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I regretted saying that word halfway through. Is he here? Did we forget about him? Is he at the table? Oh god, he's right here with us. Taita! Yeah, well, the number of times you guys said the ghostly whale, I will never let some word go by. Taita, whereabouts does this uh, shaft emerge onto the surface? Does uh, the shaft never made it all the way up to the surface, for that would be too noticeable to the surface dwellers. It leads uh, to a series of uh, a series of tunnels. That, yeah, the point is, it goes to the surface. I suppose I'm being pedantic. I, where is the? Do you know the closest? Machine, kind of. Ah, Baron pulls out a map and says, Dustin, bring bring a map over here. Bring the map. Justin, uh, this is Skyclave. You're probably familiar with that is, and uh, Faye and other places. Someone that has something. Like, uh, where does it come out? Where are we even? I don't. We took a portal. I don't have a good sense of where we are, latitudinally or longitudinally or whatnot. Actually, uh, well, Justin calls her Bear Jaw, who you know has, has drawn a map of their journey as they've gone. Or no, she studies. Surface she, map. We're about a, a half day's travel south of Deep Amaskar. Oh. Right, I mean, but compared to the surface. surface. Uh, we're about six months travel below the surface. Right, and if we had the power to shoot up through the stone, whereabouts would we come up? Ah, uh, we'd be six months travel above Deep Amaskar. <laughs> oh, bloody hell. Well, in Deep Amaskar, we, uh, all coordinates are given as amount of travel with Deep Amaskar being the center of right. the Right, so if, we get, was, the, if my, we get to the top of the shaft... I was trying to do humor. I, oh, it's more Please frustrating stop. than humorous. Please stop. Because I, I don't know you well enough to know what your wavelength is. I thought that was just you being normal, and I was worried for a bit. I was running jokes.ai. <laughs> <laughs> She says, uh, the cave comes out uh, uh, in one of the, in a small uh, forest next to the Lake of Mists. Known as Oakhurst. Hmm. All right, so up here somewhere. Wow, we're way up there. Yeah, that's exactly it. The Lake of Mists is, uh, uh, is a dangerous and superstitious location to surface dwellers it made for a good location to have a secondary uh, a travel point to deep Amaskar for not many go traveling through there looking for strange secrets <laughs> put us about as far as we could possibly be from the sword coast but at least we have access to good roads mm. I, that I'm was part of the consideration a good well. place to meet an airboat Hey, where should we? How much crack again? Uh, uh, there. There we go. Okay. Bloody hell if we have to skirt our way around Thay. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, um, <laughs> Alright, I shall contact the hands of Eo and uh, get whereabouts where they are. And uh, aye. If we were to take this six months' journey, would we come out about the same place? Or I'm sure there's. Many other roads that could be taken in the Underdark to 
exit to other locations on the surface. Yes, as I, as I mentioned, the uh, travel uh, vertically through the Underdark to the surface requires far more horizontal movement than vertical, so depending on the path, we could end up in, uh, in many different locations. Understood. Says, it could be even all the way as far as the Underchasm, a popular oh. entrance to the Underdark. There. Goodness. Oh. Um, if, substantially closer to home. If yeah. we were to be successful and get to the top of this shaft, how long would you estimate until we reach the surface through the Wergar control line? Uh, part of the two days that I said. Yeah. Oh, two days. I wasn't. If I was taking care of. If there's a functional lift. If there's a functional lift. All right. So this is a lot of supposition. We should. I'm just trying to get an idea of where we might have our rendezvous with a Hansev on AO if we're going to have a rendezvous um, in this message. Uh, very good. Uh, Baron gathers himself for a moment and uh, hold. It's hard to walk and cast at the same time. Just give me a, give me a moment here. Hold up on Betsy there. And, uh, Ooh. you know, Morden grant me the power of Long distance communication. <laughs> Something. Um. Dean, <laughs> um, Was it Eleanor? Elena? Who's the pal that uh, I've been contacting for? It oh, was. Esmeralda? Uh, uh, her name is Edith. Edith! <laughs> Edith e something Valor. there. Edith Valor. Uh. Edith! Bern! Uh. We are near Deep Mascar in the Underdark. Thanks for coming for me. Uh, where are you? Uh, we could... 14. Reach the Lake of Mists soon. Five more, right? Rendezvous location? Where? And when? That's for 25. <laughs> no space for punctuation. Cook. No punctuation for all Ben. Good to hear from you. We are following a great source of evil. <laughs> evil frog, whatever you do, do not give it a sliver. We travel rapidly to keep up. Uh, wh- what did you ask specifically? Rendezvous location, where and when we could maybe be near the Lake of Mist soon. Oh, you said you said Lake of Mist? Yes. Yeah. Would be... Mists Lake. <laughs> three days. Shit, not the same way. We'd be at the Lake of Mist in three days, they say. Oh! oh it's like a feat! <laughs> what are the odds? A fashion. Oh, Baron relays this information to the group. Hmm. They could be at the Lake of Mists in three days. We could be there in two. Well before the Septsemi arrive. 
If the lift is working. If the lift is working. But you know what I mean, between us, seem we like a handy lot, might be able to get it working again if it's not up to snuff. We'll have to wear a girl anyway. We'll have to uh, keep our head on a swivel. If we end up getting waylaid halfway up the shaft. What's a swivel? We ought to make a decision of whether or not to take a risk and go through or find a good battlefield for the septicemia. But if we can get there in three days and rendezvous with the hands, I imagine they would want a part of this fight. Uh, and if not, we can obligate them. Against yes. servants of the witches, I bet they'd be eager. That's a great idea, cousin. No offense, my good scrim. Well then, anybody else have any other considerations to offer? You put that. You're at your bed. As you are. <laughs> I was uh, wait, okay. Uh, you hear a click. And then you see Oil Wing holding a collapsed spyglass. And then he hands it to back to to Muck, finally, after all this time. Well, not quite out of the woods yet. <laughs> and he pushes it back to him. <laughs> his hand is limp, and then he goes back to his body, and he puts it inside of his robe of summer. And then he says, Taita, I've been thinking this whole entire time. I have so many questions. What? You mentioned something previously that I've been racking my mind about. About Deja. I want to know everything. You mentioned her name, something about her father. What, what is it you, that you said? Well, well, what is it that you know about that plate of yours as she reaches over and she clink, clinks it, right? She just like reaches, her like metal hand reaches into the other blood and just Ooh. clinks it. I know and that. And she looks at her hands to see if any residue got left on. <laughs> uh, I know that, at least for me, that it helps me control my, my shadow blood. But I believe that Deja, she wanted my shadow blood, at least she used to. And so the plate was oh, a means for her to do that. She still does. Still wants her shadow she still wants my, my blood. Oh, I'm very certain she's extremely interested in you. Are you aware that you are the only person known on this entire, uh, uh, in, in all of existence, to get infected with other blood and not lose their mind? This, this other blood? Uh, that's what we call it, that stuff that makes up your arm. It's other blood for sure. I wasn't sure at first, but I did a little research while you were gone uh, gathering the tentacle, and uh, I'm certain of it now. That plate, it was made by Deja, that much you know. I do know that. She used it to try to uh, control the blood or tap it or something, harvest it in some fashion. I don't expect that she knew exactly what it would do. It didn't work for a long time. I know that much. Uh, expand on that. It, it was until until I was much older, a teenager in Skullport. I'm still a teenager, actually, but... 
Well, illegal, they call And she, as you start walking, or as you start talking, she starts walking, continuing in the travel direction. She says, yeah. time's wasting, let's go. <laughs> and then she continues look, talking with oil vein as you, uh, as you walk. Well, let's let's just say we, we found a place where we're going to camp for the night. No, you haven't yet. This is no, midday. No, 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 sorry, sorry, we found a place that we're going to. We're going towards, we, we've identified we a place where we're going like, uh, yeah, that, uh, yes. 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 So we're, we're going towards camping and we're going to camp before we hit the... Yes, agreed, agreed. Okay. Yeah, you had to. That was the, yeah. Yeah, so you're headed towards uh, headed towards camp. A specific destination. It was a couple hours in to take the reading that the whole yeah. all of those conversations were at that stop. Perfect. So now you're on the road again. Okay. Oil van. He had he had stopped walking and he noticed just noticed that Taita has moved Continue forward on. and so he rushes to catch up with her before saying again. Uh, I, I do know that she that, that that it wasn't working. There was something wrong with it, and it wasn't until I was much older that somehow. When I almost died, maybe when I did die, that it actually started doing something, that it changed and affected my body. Interesting. I didn't know that part of it. It seems to have had a changing effect on you as your body matured. Uh, that is very fascinating. It says, are you aware that studying or interacting with other blood in any fashion is the highest crime in all of the Deep Empire? So I've learned. Says, yes, yes. It's what makes Deja be labeled an enemy of the state, the most wanted terrorist in all of the Empire, she says with a little bit of an air of mockery. Grant's got pretty good ears, but he's not nearby, and he yells out, well then, you should show her a snoot and tell her how that went down. So, so shocking. <laughs> She's not speaking quietly for any of us, so anyone that is choosing to stay with an earshot uh, certainly can. Shroom's definitely. Baron's hearing it, yeah. but he's towards the back of the party, right? He usually takes up the rear. Shroom's walking with his brother. Well, <laughs> Van says, thanks, Ben. And he, he's tapping his nose. He's like this. And he goes, look. And then, like, uh, he's gesturing towards a black dog. Made completely of shadow blood right in front of them. He says, uh, that is under your control, is that right? I mean, he's got kind of a mind of his own, but I mean, he's a friend of mine who lives inside my body, I guess, if you want to think about it that way. I had seen it on the periphery and I suspected I had been waiting for you to bring up the topic. Mm-hmm. Says, this is absolutely fascinating. Uh, such research is something that our experimentation center has never undertaken uh, for all of our controversial and experimental research violating the highest law against other blood research is something that I have never authorized even the slightest bit and I say that truthfully to you even though most other things I would claim about the experimentation center I would not speak truthfully to all of you it is state secrets you see but in this case I am speaking the truth and he says, I believe that Deja accomplished far more than she realizes even now with that plate of hers. I think she helped me make a dog. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he threw up the dog. I did, I did throw up my dog. <laughs> It's fascinating. I would like to hear the full account at some point of exactly what happened and how this uh, started to manifest. You're saying that you can control that arm like it's a part of your body. A little bit. Does it ever disobey you? I feel like it says horrible things to me inside my mind, but 
Oh, well, that's not a good sign. I will tell you right away. (laughs) (laughs) But for the most part... Is she for real? I mean, it allows me... It makes me stronger. I feel like I can perform stronger spells than I could have before. Do you know the story of how the the ancient Damascari Empire fell? Well, we did have the, the scroll or the pamphlet, the one... Yes. We did experience this together. Ah, you read a book. Good. So, uh... That was what Deja gave us, though, right? Yes. No. Yeah, yeah we yes. swiped that from Deja. Oh, no, she no, gave no, it to Oilvane. Oh, she yeah. gave it? I thought he just grabbed it on his way out. She no, gave, no, it, to she gave it to him when oh. she peaced out. Yeah, she's like, this is kind of why I'm leaving. <laughs> oh, I missed that part. And it was titled, So You and Everyone You Know Is Gonna Die Horribly, or something like that. <laughs> something along that general. Gotcha. Thanks. So it's the end of the world. Uh... Yeah, and uh, gave us a book that we read all together. It took us some doing, but we so saw what fascinating. Happened. Would you find that learning this and reading this uh, this book influenced your decision to come to Deep Mascar and find me? I believe so. I mean, we didn't really think about Deep Mascar until then. That is, that is fascinating. I have a feeling you are following the footsteps that Deja hoped you would. She, uh, her. Designs sometimes do uh, are a little convoluted. She's been at this a long time, and I uh, I fear that her exact methods aren't exactly as orderly as I would approve of. Longer than you, or sure than you? Says far longer than me. Oh. Deja's older than thirteen hundred. <laughs> says. Uh, by all accounts, uh, to the best of my understanding, Deja was born shortly after the Amaskar War that Ooh. ended our empire. Wow. Well, some I thought that you were old. I mean, I'm not that old. The Amaskar is really inefficient at tracking down criminals. Do you know anything about House Parmentor? I know nothing. Uh, House Parmentor at one point in time was one of the great houses of uh, of the Deep Empire, as respected as any of the others, in full leadership of the city for a number of centuries, in fact. It says, but House Parmentor was excommunicated and stricken from all of the records after the uh, after the great harm that was brought to the Empire at the hands of Deja's father. Deja's father. Yeah. So it's a Rada Parmentor. No, uh, the end of our vision. Didn't we see the goo falling on Rada? I Rada. thought I remember that. Rada. Is that correct? We saw the other blood falling on him. That was uh, something oh, that happened. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Oh, the end of yeah, the vision we saw, uh, at the end of the book, we saw other blood. In the epilogue. Uh, <laughs> Rada uh, entombed in, in other blood. Was that a part of it? So that is exactly the case. And the fact that Deja created a... uh, And created... Or at least handed you the story for you to see is clearly not a coincidence. For it is restoring her father, Rada Pomentor, back to his his former self is exactly what has kept Deja... uh, Deja undertaking these illegal activities all these millennia. Are you saying Deja's father became... Deja's father is a bad Bad dad. dad. (laughs) Amazing. (laughs) It's fate! (laughs) 
bad fathers. So many fathers. Going on the pillars. Rada Parmentor became infected with the other blood, and through this infection, he lost his mind and caused great harm to the Empire. Excommunication of their house was the result. It says Deja was born, uh, or Deja is the uh, child so to speak, of Rada Parmentor and an so experimentation. Uh, she's a bit unusual if the stories are be if the stories are true. Also oh, she's not his child? I prefer not to speak uh, I prefer not to speak just based purely on rumors. I'll agree for you too. Please do. <laughs> he says, it is only hearsay and rumors, but they say that Deja was the result of, uh, Deja was the result of uh, what you might call a uh, fabricate, fabricated embryo. Uh, one that was created with a combination of magic and genetic materials in order to create a perfect being. Oh. I can't say that we would consider their experimentation a success of that goal, but they nah. certainly did create a remarkable person. That was very long-lived. That's the sort of story I'd start you about myself. <laughs> <laughs> she was perfect. She would be human. She was perfect. Well, she's not. It's the she sort of magical her. experimentation <laughs> that House... Uh, that House Parmentor was known for, so it's a very believable story. But it's hard to say with a house that has been uh, that has been excommunicated for so many millennia. It is hard to say what truth there is in the matter. But it makes for a fun story. She surrendered, the, she surrendered that title when she gave Ted a magic peanut that he would allow him to call him. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, you say this was after Rada's corruption, ruining everything. It's, uh, it's not exactly clear. I have had words with Deja over the years oh. on a couple of occasions. I wouldn't say that we are even to the level of acquaintances, but uh, our research has intersected uh, once or twice, and I have given myself to the risk of having a few words with her. And so I've learned a thing or two. Uh, she claims that she was not there during the war. That's what leads me to believe the story that she was born afterwards, perhaps just afterwards. There was a lot of chaos in the days and months after the war as the Empire fell into disarray and split into what you see now. Um, Deja thought Oilvane's blood could cure her father? Well, her father's infliction is definitely uh, a direct cause of his contact with the other blood. And indeed, in the early days, the Amaskar Empire did engage in very much research into the other blood, trying to reverse the damage that had been caused by the considerable exposure to such a, uh, uh, to such a chaotic and dangerous material, but without exception, every attempt to study or understand or reverse its effects led to even more calamity. And it was uh, uh, and it was after enough of this that the uh, decree was passed, an agreement between High and Deep Amaskar, that any study or possession or uh, even speaking about the other blood in too much in, uh, in too much openness uh, uh, leads to a swift execution. Grim puts his hand up and says, 
Are you saying that Deja's father is still around? As I understand it, it is. At least Deja believes that he is. Uh, the Amaskar Empire denies this. Hmm. Well, but I believe that all... In. Oh, go ahead. Mark chimes in with the obvious comment. He's like, what? well, we saw in a vision uh, Deja and Snowbane by the Pool of Souls. Hmm. And that looked like a powerful puddle of black ichor. Do you think her dad is the Pool of Souls? I think it was a different color. The Pool of Souls in that vision was explicitly clarified a couple times as looking noticeably different than the other blood so that it would not be confused by the players later. I think you're thinking thinking of the Super Mario Brothers movie in which the princess's dad became the Uh, Exactly what I'm thinking about. Because this has come up. Is the pool of souls goo yeah. is definitely different from the other blood goo? There's Question two stands. goos. There's two goos. Uh, Question stands. She says it. Uh, she says I. Uh, says Deja's interest in the pool of souls as a source of power to fuel her research and experimentation is a, is precisely the reason that she and I have exchanged words on a couple of occasions. She believes that uh, whatever must be done in order to restore her uh, father to his sane mind and ultimately I expect to restore their house's good name in the, uh, in the eyes of the Empire will require uh, will require a considerable energy such as that accessible, although dangerously, with the pool of souls. She, she did seem like she was protecting it. Mm-hmm. I'll kind of blame her. So restore one's father figure to a, a rightful state. I'll sympathize Scrim. as much as a fool's errand as it might be. I've yes, only spent four days with you, but I could have already expected that. <laughs> Looking directly at Draston. As much as a fool's errand as it may be. Oh no, Adric is far from Let him go. ever being able to be <laughs> restored to Mordred inside. I've got one more message. I think the rendezvous is set, although I wasn't able to contact them back and confirm. I could reach out to Essen and Grumbar and tell them where we're likely to end up. Let us wait until we actually see this mine shaft. For if it is filled to the brim with Dwarvigar, we may think otherwise. Hmm. Alright. Or not. You could always. Mm. You have one more spell today. They use it today. I'd rather have an extra whatever you have planned for the Dwergar tomorrow. I'd rather not waste a slot. A slot on sending. Aye. Good thought. You think we should reach out to Essen or Grumbar? Who's going to work better with that? It seems like Essen. Essen seems a little more responsible. Grumbar's going to be like, there's a voice in Grumbar's mind. <laughs> Grumbar's the one who's like operated the balloon and flies this is true, right? extremely proficient. Apparently people are very upsettled, uh, unsettled uh, and upset uh, by the sending the experience. Grumbar is a savant. He's well, the best at what he does. On multiple occasions. The best he's never sends Essen ascending. Grumbar is there. As a reminder. Essen is unreliable. I think your instincts are right there. 
Uh, anyway, you, you guys were cutting in here, but it sounds like it was a that was a an aside. That was an aside. Unless there's more on that topic. In conclusion, well, I don't really have a conclusion. Thank you for coming to my TED talk. <laughs> he says, "I wish I could provide you more clarity into your being. I truly do sympathize with not understanding the uh, not understanding the nature of your being. I'm, some, I'm something that never existed before." Absolutely never. As I said, every single attempt to interface with the other blood in any way has caused a swift losing of one's mind. The fact that you have lasted since you were a child, you say. I've had it since I was a child, but it never, it never felt like part of me until I was until a few years ago. To even survive past your early years is remarkable, and to operate in symbiosis with the uh, with the material is absolutely completely unheard of. It could disrupt our entire empire's view of what the, what it is should it be known. Yeah, time's tighter, but I do wonder if it is affecting my mind. If it is. For the worse, I don't know. Oh, well, I would have every expectation that it is driving you mad. Uh, but, you know, perhaps slower than all the other cases that are known. That's us. Uh, you should take solace in uh, that. It's, it's not turning you into a dirty blogger. <laughs> Long, slow road. Uh, Mock says... Well, then also shared with us that Part of the reason Deja let him go was that she seemed to realize that there was somehow in his blood a portent of the end times coming or some world destroyer. Uh, Other blood being heretical and all that aside, is that part of the lore that they share in Hibamaskar? The return of the destruction of the world? Yeah, it was a uh, scream cone. He had a vision, at least, that I saw that somehow, when I mentioned it to Deja, just as Mok said, she seemed to be quite taken aback by it. And at least, as far as we've learned since, it was something having to do with the fall of the Imascari Empire. Says, it has always been a fear of the Imascari that, uh, that the that the entity that uh, we went to war with so many millennia ago would return someday. And there are many that believe that interacting with other blood will cause that return to happen. It's hard to say how much of that is true or based on actual understanding or a convenient explanation that the empire gives to its people to stop them from trying. Since any of these things could be true, I imagine that Deja carries with her a great deal of fear about such an event, for it did end her family and uh, and and their status in the empire. The greatest insult that could be blown, that could be dealt to any mascar, any mascari. That is something that we will have to ask her. It could simply be that she knew the right things to say in the right order to send you on a journey that caused you to end up here. On the top, what do you call it? The she entity? Tricky. Has it other names in the Deep Mascot Empire? Uh, the Elder Eye, it is sometimes called the Other Blood Entity, the Big Tear in the Sky. It goes by many names. Ted. Ted. 
Ted is another name for sometimes. Less popular. The <laughs> evil doom. <laughs> the elder doom. The elder doom. The eldritch doom. The eldritch doom. That's what Ted calls his peanuts. <laughs> <laughs> You've given me a lot to think about, Taita. A lot to think about. So as if I were you, I would really try to understand what it is that that thing is speaking to you. It could be dangerous, but it could also be insightful. At this point, whatever it's going to do to you is going to happen regardless. Perhaps you could learn something about it before it gets too bad. I've, I've spent a lot of time trying to figure out how to ignore it just to go on with my daily life, but... If actually listening to it and taking its words to heart is the only way forward, I guess I'll have to. Well, keep in mind, I know pretty much nothing about it, but that's what I would do, <laughs> because I'm endlessly curious. <sighs> figuring out, so I wouldn't honest. necessarily trust it, but figuring out its intentions might be valuable. Perhaps connect with it, perhaps try to understand what it's saying. As Baron says... Trust you it. can you understand it, it without trusting it. Oh, I mean, not that. I'll try. I'll try this. <laughs> As the hours stretch on, traveling through the Underdark. Yes. Baron contacts. With the last ending. The last ending of the day. I thought you said wait to see what the mineshaft is before. No, no I, I said, I disagree. I said use it today because ah. we'll want that slot tomorrow. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Baron says, Grumbar! Going Grumbar! Going against Mock! Mock loves us. We've contacted him before. It's good stuff. He's going to be with the balloon anyway. Uh, hey. This is Baron! Grumbar, this is Baron. Uh, That's four, five. <laughs> we'll be near. Lake of Mists. Sorry, ten. East of Thay in two days, likely. Ah, <laughs> uh, are you well? Is the ship close by? Attack. Can the ship meet us? Ah, yeah. <laughs> Burn! What a lovely surprise. How are you? I am well. We have a surprise for you. Oh, God. We'll head your way. Cookie, cookie. No. <laughs> you got three words. Probably 15 days. Okay. okay. He can't respond back. That's just. I send something, there's something back. That's in. That's all we got. That's it. You can respond. Why didn't you respond to me? I'm personally wounded by your silence. <laughs> I mean, this isn't like. Modern day, where why didn't he text me in the last hour? No, yeah. like, people know. It's remarkable that you can do this at all. Like, wow, man, I was expecting many more months. It's only been a few weeks. Mm-hmm. This. Oh, thanks. The hairy eyeball is really good. Impressed. 
Basically, is there any left? It is good. Yeah, I believe so. Based on the name. I'd love a sip. It's quite good. Do yeah. we have another bottle of it? Uh, no, it's the second bottle. Oh, goodness. Bottle. These are our last bottle. There's nothing on the floor anymore. Oh, goodness. We've been doing good work. You're busy bees. And yet, there's more was, mountain to I was, climb. I was selfish and drank pretty much a whole planty by myself. <laughs> <laughs> and if you have the opportunity to drink a planty by yourself, you should drink a planty by yourself. All right. Let's, um, let's keep it going. So as the hours stretch on in the travel through the Underdark... Where, do, where are we going? You are going to a camp location. Okay. That is a very short jaunt away from the Boravi mine. Oh boy. <clears throat> in the middle of the path in front of you, you see a strange sight. At first, you notice the body. A bloody body draped over what appears to be a treasure chest. Blood pouring down, not pouring down, but blood stained on the chest from the body. It sits there in the middle of the underdark. Bear. What what kind of body is it? It's a human body. Human. Don't bother. That's bait. Baron. Looks to Mark and says, Is this an ambush? It is a bone white chest covered in blood. What does the surrounding territory, terrain look like? The surrounding terrain, it is. Uh, so worth drawing a brief map. Yeah, yeah, let's, uh, Ooh, let's draw a brief map. map. always a good choice. Give me some of the green paper here, and I'll just, I'll just sketch you it. You want the battle map? map? No, 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 I'm good. Okay. Just give me a paper you can. Uh, there, uh, there are some markers in there. I think that guy is perfect. I got literally a. Okay. I prefer bastardized totem. Give me a little map. Give me a little theater mind. Give me, give me some of everything. I got it. I got it. I got it. That's a great bone white chest, right? Uh, here you go. Bone white chest right in the middle here as you guys are approaching. And uh, off to the side here is a bit of like a little cliff edge. It's not exactly straight down, but it's very, very steep. Sure. So down over here, pretty hazardous. You've been following along this path for a while, and it happens to be that right now here's a wall in the Underdark. Uh, a lot of uh, uh, there's a lot of plant growth and fungus just sort of mixed together. Actually. Scrimcorn's been eyeing it because it's a lot of sort of traditional plants and fungus that are growing together. Like in symbiosis, there's fungus and plant just as if it's a single organism. It's harmony. And it's been it's been along this entire it's been along this entire wall here, and you guys are coming from here. So a relatively straightforward just path there with a body draped over the chest. Jason puts up a hand and says, Oh, it's like a clock thing. Let me respond to him. Oh yeah, and he'll say, uh, he'll say, let's let's give the edge some space here. And then he does look to Drusen and he says, "What do you see, cousin?" Well, I've got something that could help us here. And he takes out the magic skeleton key that the scroll case to Kundrakar became, and he's going to cast knock on this thing. From a distance. Cast from From 60 feet away. So, tell us, what does Knock do exactly? Do you want mechanically or flavor? Just flavor. Okay. So he takes out the key, and this thing is magically attuned to open locks, whatever this scroll case that becomes skeleton keys thing was. He still has not figured it out, but it is magic. And he kind (laughs) of holds it in the air, and he feels kind of 
magically the the shape of the the lock mechanism with within us or whatever opens it up and kind of just kind of hitting against it's like magnetic field until it suddenly is just stuck in the air and you get the sense that if he took his hand away it would just stay there and then he just turns it and if this thing is locked uh you hear a mechanical locking mechanism on the chest that's you know call it 50 feet ahead of you, because uh, you guys can only see 60 oh, feet in the dark. Right. So, 50 yeah, feet ahead of Robin. you. Uh, he sees it first. Uh, and you hear a mechanical lock. Come awesome. unlock, and then you see a latching, a latching mechanism on the front just like slide to the side as if you know you had turned also, the key. Also, uh, when you cast the spell, a loud knock audible from as oh, far yeah. away as 300 feet emanates from the target. Oh, you hear a loud clunking noise from feet. the chest. The body is unmoving and is still draped over the chest. Hold up, everyone! And uh, Scrim reaches into a pouch. He takes out an extra slimy looking slug. Drags it across Ew. under his nose and takes a deep breath. <laughs> Instead of the cricket! Gross. <laughs> Gross. No more cricket. What's what your face? He's got to give him that old slimy mustache. All right. What's he, doing? He's, uh, What's he doing? He's looking for traps. He's not getting with, uh, within like 30 feet. He's standing. So he gets, he gets up to about 30 feet away 30 from feet. it and he's inspecting it from a distance. But he's looking at a distance and he's looking like on our side. He's looking he for any traps. Um, perception check. Perception check. What were you thinking? Uh, I was looking for tracks, so I was going to do survival. Tra- I heard traps. So I thought you said oh. traps. Yeah, Sorry, tracks. Tracks. He's then of course. Survival? He actually is not looking for a trap. Then of course. Trap. It's uh, then it's survival, right? Uh, that is, yeah, that's what you usually say. You find <laughs> the tracks um, of a man who. Okay. <laughs> Hold. Hold. Hang on. What did he get? Uh, thirteen. Wow, 13. that's pretty good. Scrimcorn is finding himself a little uh, uh, off-put by the sight of this strange, bloody, bone-white chest with blood uh, all over it and this body draped over the top. He's like a little bit distracted. He's he's kind of continuing to eye the body. Like, is the body going to move? Is it a zombie? Like, he what's going on? He thinks there's a trap there. He thinks there's a trap. But he's looking for tracks. He's looking for tracks, and uh, he sees no tracks. I don't see any footprints from an ambush. Oil me, let me see that spyglass for a moment, if you're willing. As he, he, he looks at you for a few seconds before <laughs> handing it to you. And uh, he takes a look at the body and tries to see, is this thing alive? Is, is it an actual body? Well, is a perception like... check. Okay, okay. See if it's alive, Just as an alternative, I'd be happy to also roll a medicine check. It's the same bonus, but you know, I, different If you're skills. trying to inspect the body and get the more of a nature of its death, then that is acceptable. Perfect. That is what I'm looking for. It could change what information you get from the check. <laughs> I would like to know what's going on with this body. Is this person alive? Is this person need a diabetes? Yeah. yeah. Uh, not bad. Uh, Twenty-two. Ooh, Doctor Bairn. He's a cleric. Medicine man. Medicine woman. <laughs> what Bairn sees. On this body is not exactly what he's expecting. With the amount of blood that is poured over this chest, he was expecting to see like a stab wound, like somewhere where he got hit with a sword or you know an artery cut or something like that. But instead, he doesn't see any obvious wounds. He just sees blood stained on the front of the guy's clothing, and as a human body, human male body, mm-hmm. for average build, 
He's wearing like common surface dweller clothing. Does like it look he, alive? Is it breathing? No, it's not alive. Decompos- decomposing? Um, it looks like it is. It, it looks like he's only been dead a, fresh kill. a couple days. Okay. Looks like a dead human. Can't uh, what, see a wound. What, what was your roll again? It was 22. A 22. 22 medicine. Um, but Baron, uh, Baron sees something just slightly off about him. The skin looks just a little bit of an odd skin tone. The clothing just looks a little bit, a little bit too, uh, too glistening. Like the clothing itself has a little bit of a shine to it that that's not making sense. And he's looking at it, and even the blood itself doesn't quite have that you know, couple days uh, uh, congealed blood that you would expect it to be. There's just something a little too, this obviously looks like blood. Like someone tried to make it look like it was a bloody chest. Baron hands the spyglass to Drust and says, something looks off about it. Illusion, maybe? Mock intercepts the spyglass. (laughs) Yoink! And looks up, remembering the most recent ambush. How high does the wall go? An excellent idea. Go ahead and roll a perception check. Yes. I don't like this. Mm. Not bad. Let's give that... Not bad at all. Hey. Let's see. Perception. I got... 21. Mock looks and uses the spyglass. Mock uses the spyglass. Takes a look. He can see the ceiling. He can see as the the cave wall here slopes over on top of you. You can see it clearly and it looks clear. It does not seem to be any sort of creature setting a trap from above. Mock relaxes a little bit and he says, well, the, the skies are clear here. He says, uh, Let's have someone approach the chest. Hold I up. will do it. Hold up, but stay close to the wall. Wait. Better not Just a little. Uh, so the body is like draped over the yeah, chest? Yeah, it's just like, a, like it's chest, like and it's draped over its arms. Is it his chest on the if chest? If you can lift 60 pounds, would you be able to open up this chest? No, uh, no, because it's, a, it's an average like human male. So we're talking like with clothing... Yeah, he's at least, you know, he's, he's, at least, he's at least 150 pounds. Probably more like 200 pounds. Enough of this. I'll move him. No, I'll move him. I'll oh, scrim and cast Spine Whip. Storms over there <laughs> and tries to beat him to it. So Bearjaw is trying to beat him to the chest while Scrim Corner is trying to cast Can I get an initiative roll? Yes. We need an initiative roll. An initiative roll from each of you. I get advantage. Hang on, hang on. Ooh. An initiative roll from each of you to determine who gets there first. You get advantage on initiative? I do. That's a 20. Oh, on, that is a 20. You might. Unless. You might. No! We all want to see that As Springcorn is preparing his spell, <laughs> Fairjaw like, just I got it. sprints forward. Shouting escalation. Physically grabs the body and flings it As she the grabs chest. the body, roll a dexterity saving throw. Oh, no! Can I see what's happening? It's against poison, so you get an advantage. Okay. Because of the dwarf belt? Or because of barbarian? Oh, those are both very <laughs> I deserve this. Uh, roll, ten. You got your good rolls out. Ten. Not very high. Uh, as Bearjaw reaches for the body, the chest lid 
flies open. Oh, the body bitch. gets thrown to the ground, and immediately when the body hits the ground, it just turns into a green goo and just <gasps> melts into the ground. Oh, and you see a bubbling green, uh, a bubbling green material inside the chest. Not the lid is flown open, and a bit of the green goo reaches out to Bearjaw, slamming into her. Oh, so did I get poison damage? Uh, yeah, you're gonna take. Uh, I have a, I have the dwarven ability here so because of my. I get saving throws against poison, That's and I have did. resistance against poison damage. Okay. Uh, so okay. that wow. is uh, that's 10, 14, uh, 18 poison damage. So that'll be nine that's with uh, resistance. Nine poison damage. Nine poison damage. Uh, a green slime. A green slime <laughs> inside this chest as it has slammed you with its green what slime body. So it looks like the chest opened up and a slime attacked her from oh, inside no. the chest? Yes. The slime okay. got And the body has just like dissolved into a slime. There seems to be a monster in the chest. I mean, is it... The, can we kill the slime? Are, we Are you asking me? Yes. As a DM. rolling some kind of initiative? I mean, it's, it's, still, it's, it's still there. Right? It's still there. Gotcha. It's like, it like, it, it, it like punched her. Yeah. It, in the face with poison. Uh, I'm going to roll initiative. Roll I'm initiative. Gonna, yeah, yeah, there we go. Roll initiative. Everyone roll initiative. Well, that's roll my 20 still. Your 20 still, still oh. counts. Does Scrim still seven. count? Yes. Mine was 10 then. Do not ten. roll initiative. All right, who's first? I, I got a total of 20. I got 22. a 19. Uh, Roll wow. off. Roll off. Here, here. Okay. Mock, you're up first. Also 18. God damn it! Roll right. again. That's a 16. This is a 13. Oh. All right. So mock bear jaw, mock bear jaw, Baron, <laughs> and then Drewston. Lowly Do you want to get on? Uh, I don't think we. This will be quick. We don't need the mock. Wraps his the devil iron chain around his right gauntlet and grabs the lance of the devil commander. Poke it. So he recovers his hand in devil iron and grabs and the and grabs it. the cursed lance that burns it. Is that like it's an insulator or a conductor? I have no what idea. Does he, what does he wrap his hand in? The, the devil, devil iron, iron chain. So he's not physically touching the thing. No. All right. For now. He can feel a little bit of the heat radiating, but it's not piercing the, his skin quite yet. Is that dis, dis, is that make it more difficult to wield the thing? Just that, that's what we'll see. For now, no, not for this attack. And okay. he well, good question. Kicks Betsy into action, pounding the back of the of the yoke that attaches. I mean, this yoke was designed and painted by Mock. There's of course a quick release in the design. <laughs> <laughs> and spurs Betsy forward and comes by with a with a passing charge uh, stab with the lance against the chest. The chest or the interior of the well, chest? The the the, the poison see. glop. The poison glop is inside the chest. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Go for it. Okay. Uh it has cover. Great. Well does it have does it? 21 versus AC. Oh, 21 easily hits. Great. Uh, so that's going to be... Oh, oh, sweet. The lances are awesome. Roll d d12. No, 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 no. That's a one-handed attack. I don't get to re-roll. Rules. Uh, <laughs> another attack. That will be a... 16. A 16 will hit. Great. So he's get, it's going to take... 
8 and uh, 11. So, 19 damage. 19 damage. Got so it. Let's do any other cool things. I like have no idea. Damage or you whatever? told me the stats and said there's more to this lance. This is the first time oh, you yeah. attacked with it. Roll 2d6 for fire damage. Sweet. Each attack. So now just roll on this attack. Okay, so 8 and... Remind me later to figure six. out what this uh, does. Yeah, it's fine. Four, uh, four, 14 additional fire damage. 14 additional fire damage. The thing goes up in flame. Yeah. The slime inside this chest is now on fire. Fire is just billowing out of this. And as you, hear, you hear an... As the slime body is like flailing around, still trying to hit. Walks first, Betsy passed and like wheel for another charge. And he says, finish it off. Bearjaw, you're up next. Um, You've just been punched by slime. Bearjaw closes the chest. Closes it? Yes. Okay, she is close enough. She closes it, but immediately feels resistance. The slime is trying to push it back okay. open. Is, is she going to? Gap. Then she Never picks up the, the chest. <laughs> she picks she up the chest. She yes, can she can. It. And then she's going to shake the chest as hard as she physically can. <laughs> this is the called the shake the baby attack. Okay. <laughs> she's going to try to shake the chest Sounds so that the slime inside it. Know. Okay, so then that is rolls a strength check and that's the damage. Uh, And athletics, uh, that's gotta be athletics. That's more strength than it is dexterity. Okay, so go ahead and give it an athletics attack. Oh no, this is is your intent. Is this an attack? To kill it. It's an attack. Sorry, it's an improvised weapon. That's what it is. Even more than it is now. It's an improvised weapon attack. It is. Yeah. So I believe I believe that is your go back up. It's your uh, tavern brawler attack. Your tavern brawler strike, I think, is that. Is that? Okay. I'm, I'm almost positive sure. that that's. Let's go with that. that 1d4 plus here. 4. Yeah. Yeah, uh, use the d4 for damage. So 1d4 plus 4. So first roll the attack. Okay. Oh, wait. Well, yeah. I guess I'll, I'll own it. Uh, that's a 19. 19. Easily hits. And a 1d4 plus 4. Uh, pardon me. Nice. A 4 plus a 4. Is it 8? Eight. Eight shaking damage. That will... Okay, so as Bearjaw <laughs> closes the lid of this chest, picks it up, and starts shaking the shit out of it. What a way to go. She does it until she stops shaking, and there's no more movement from inside the <laughs> no chest. And you see green ooze just oozing out of some of the, like, seams in the wood. And dripping yes. to the ground. It's all frothy. Uh, it's all frothy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Shake it, not stirred, yeah. guys. That's gross. Combat over. Uh, it's dead. It's Your dead. gonna collect a bit of it in a <laughs> jar. Pull the roller crown. You know I opened that. Shaken. Any uh, coins in the chest? Put it up. Did we hear a clinking sound while I was doing that? Just a gloopy frog. Features of the runs. Scrim just shreds a little on his breakfast test. Ew, You open the chest and you just see the green goo from the slime. Now completely unmoving. Now it is like now you can literally pour it out. It's a it's a viscous this liquid. Is awful. Its whole body no longer has any has any cohesiveness. It's just a sort of thick syrupy goo that you're able to pour out and underneath the goo is a pile of coins. Treasure. A mixture of gold, silver, and copper. 
that takes a good ten minutes to dig through and count <laughs> up and disinfect. Really, yeah. It adds up to 972 gold Ooh. worth of various coinage. Ooh. That's a good night at the uh, golden oak there. That's like about five hours of the golden oak. Yeah, you know, right, during right. the festival season. <laughs> we to spend that on a single ale for the party right. when Mock's not around. Amazing. Alright. How much is ale you? Can I elevate your family into a status of wealth? It will make you uh, in exchange for a oh beer. Yeah, the, the, <laughs> body was the body uh, just had turned into green goo. It seemed to be some sort of uh, not an illusion, but like a, a creation yeah. from the what, slime. What does its chest seem to be made of? Oh, uh, the chest is like a mundane, like wooden chest. But bone white. Uh, is, uh, is it paint? Oh, the uh, it was painted. Oh, that's painted white. Scrim says, oh, "You uh, crafty types." Aye. Does this look of Dwergar make? Yeah, Jason will take a closer right. look. Ooh, Especially ooh, as an archaeologist. Okay. Uh, yes. Go ahead. It's a mini Investigate roll. Investigate roll. Oh. Just you know, I mean, make my, my day. Of one on this make night. Night. <laughs> Just so you can get a flat roll of 20. To make it, you know, fair. Wow. Uh, <laughs> Oh, let me do some calculations here. By Morgan's beard. Uh, uh, uh. I guess I'll pass by my passive 22 because I got a 23 on this one. Oh, gosh. All right. Um. (laughs) The chest does appear to be uh, a Dwergar. uh, Dwergar make. And the way you can tell this is the Dwergar. The Dwergar are. And this may be a controversial statement to the dwarves. Yeah. Say it. Say it. Pretty much, by all accounts, yep. just as capable <gasps> at uh, at the level of craftsmanship. I'm fucking kill with the dwarves this. are. They are. They are very, very capable craftsmen. That's not debated. Yeah, but yeah. the difference, the difference is where the dwarves put a great deal of honor and aesthetics into their creations. It's very important to them yeah. to add decoration and to add, to sort of honor the creation of the thing by making it beautiful. That's right. Um, the Dwergar do not care about their, that. This actually causes uh, this actually causes the Dwergar to be able to build faster and more efficiently if, it, if you're only measuring success by the functionality. Uh, by the functionality so. of the end result, the Dwergar can stand up a functional city faster than the dwarves can because the dwarves are going to f- consider it extremely important that their temples honor Moradin with all this. So. The the Dwergar do not care. So this is a chest that is that is manufactured with a uh, this is a mostly sort of wooden and also um, a stone construction chest, mm. which makes sense for dwar- uh, Dwergar construction. Uh, because they live exclusively under the whereas the dwarves live a combination of above ground and below ground. The dwarves use plenty of wood in their construction to augment the sort of stone and metal. The dwergar pretty much don't use any wood at all. They'll use underdark um, sort of fungal growth uh, to augment it, and that's what you're seeing here. So mostly, yeah, petrified fungus, stuff like that. So you're seeing a very utilitarian chest for carrying things, but there is no filigree, there is no sort of insignia. Basically, it's Dwergar are dwarves, but less vain. That's what I'm hearing. That's what I'm hearing. Jason! They're they're dwarves, but more efficient and less vain. Oh, okay. Jason picks up the, uh, the chest... 
he, he does have they completely are. average strength, so it's going to be picked this up. And he says, Aurora! And then he throws it to her. The chest? With the the chest? chest? The chest itself. So that she can... It's very heavy. It's made out of stone and metal. If she dies He picks it up and... Hoists it over. Okay. Turns in a circle and hurls it towards her. Assuming that she has the same idea that he does. And she's reaching for her shatter spike. Assuming she has the same idea she does. Which none of us do. Four. That's a four. Four. Aurora sees it coming. <laughs> it's like tumbling. Wide tumbling. eyes, panic as she draws Shadow Spike yeah. and strikes it as she pulls it from the, ring. from the scabbard. As she as she pulls it from the scabbard and strikes it, and it explodes all over her. And she gets thrown backwards to the ground. She gets slammed with bits of metal and stone. And uh, uh, and she's holding her side, going, "Oh, good job, blasting!" Barajo's just like, "Be ready for more." She's like, "Why would you do that?" <laughs> she did very well. Is this a dwarven <laughs> <a> game? <laughs> toss the stone chest. <laughs> says, we played oh, the game like that. It's been that years since I played toss the chest. Do you know how many Dwergar chests I had to destroy as a child? They were all over Gluckluckers. <laughs> they were all over Ugly with Dwergar chests. A pestilence. That's <laughs> uh, pretty good. A chestilence. Chestilence. Get out. A chestilence. That's it. You're out of the past. What was that? What was that? Dwergar just wars with less... But less vain. Less vain. Less vain. More efficient and less vain. Less vain. So hurtful. They're the <laughs> hard dispute. They're the so IKEA hurtful. of the dwarves. I mean, they just make the dwarves look privileged. And they make gravies. Look at all these temples. They just Look, build a all right. really so, efficient trap. The chest is now gone, it obliterated, the and the treasure is, is gained, and the body is goo, and there's just a little bit of green stain on the underdark stone and beneath. And we made you. a lot of noise. And every time we use and this chest, and a loud 300 foot knock still echoing <laughs> through the cavern. You like and that every, paint job? And every time we use this chest, Minnie, we won't trust it. Um, I would like to take a moment to give this credit to good. Finn oh, for painting really? that chest and coming up with the entire story of it being bloody because there was a dead body on top of it, but the dead body didn't die from somebody attacking it. It died from what looks like old age. So we have to compete with the creativity of Finn at this point? It's one thing when we're dealing with what you're thinking of, but I can't keep up with him. I tell Finn that that dead body on top of the chest... Really fuck with Dressen's strategy. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, can I just magic it off? It's like, no, man. No, it's a dead body. Okay. The, the unseen servant can lift or drag 60, 60 pounds. pounds. Yeah, I wasn't sure what your question was for. I figured uh, it was one of your spells. Violet, from 30 feet away, can pull an, a normal opponent 10 feet. But so the, hug is, <laughs> the hug attack is faster. That is that is Finn's first official contri- contribution, contribution as co-GM uh, of uh, this campaign. First you know, of yeah. uh, uh, Five years old. Dangerously effective. Dangerously effective. And the goo monster included. In well, literally that, every yeah, aspect of it, other than the body being a creation of the slime. I made that up. But every other like part Greg. of it, including yeah, the goo inside. Yeah, Finn's like Greg, What addition do you think we'll be up to when Finn is in his 20s? Oh, God. Oh, wow. <laughs> in his 20s? Yeah. Oh, man. 
But I can tell you, he'll probably be playing at this table within five years. I'm just saying, hopefully it's fifth edition. Like, just get it right and improve upon it instead of having to completely overhaul it. They're going to want to sell some more books. It's going to be five. Of course, anyway, let's let's return to the narrative, and then it is only another hour or two of travel before you reach. A, uh, you've been on the lookout for a good sort of location. The place, right? You're at the time. You're feeling a bit of exhaustion. Uh, you've been traveling all day. Taita had a general idea of whether it was likely to be a place to make camp because this is a during the Baravi era when this was under construction. There was lots of construction crews coming to and from. So there, she figured there would be places, but some of them might be overrun by Dwergar. So you opt for a place that's a little bit closer. So it's a few hours to actually get to the Baravi mine, but you've got a good location. It was an old, I mean, we're talking centuries ago, location of a sort of base camp for travelers to stay here. Um, You can see a little bit of the evidence of it, but mostly the sort of natural erosion of the Underdark has has erased it. But it is a, it's a suitable sort of enclave. Enclave is the wrong word. Cave? It's just cave, like not even a cave, just a little cave. bit. It's a it provides formation. It's a cave. A little stone cul-de-sac. It's a It's a little stone cul-de-sac. That's what it is. Cold it's the cul-de-sac, sack. and cold uh, a sack. good place to make camp, reasonably defensible. Yes, defensible. Reasonably as, defensible. As, as we're fine. as we're seeing in the Underdark, there's 360 degrees of fucking danger around you. So anything you can do to wall that off, hopefully provide a little bit of an escape route. Defensible is correct. That's what we're looking for. Both are accurate. <laughs> it is. It is. I, I wasn't sure because. Anyway, keep going. <laughs> Scram. <clears throat> Just first gets a little uh, little campfire thing going. Puts on the sensor that he usually, you know, when we're when we're making camp, puts on a sensor with uh, some uh, some moss that goes in it, grinds it up a little bit, and it kind of makes it a little bit more of a pleasant. Um, less of a pungent and just more of kind of like a traditionally relaxing kind of scent. Um, uh, some sandalwood, you know, just some basic stuff. Um, but then uh, he gets, uh, he says, Brother, give me a hand. Right. And uh, what you need? Scrim is going to give him a root and a mortar and pestle to uh, grind up. And he's going to do an honest to goodness cooks utensils check. I would love to cook some food. So, um, if you could aid uh, Scrim has you being a sous chef. As you are doing this, just as you're beginning you're like setting up the materials. Aurora. Yes. We need more. She she had set down her pack, laid out her bedroll. Um, She had, she'd actually as you guys were setting this up she did the same thing that she had done back right after the Neothalid fight. She took out all of the bits from her pack, laid them out on her bedroll on top, like organized them like in a in a almost overly geometric style, like on her uh, on her bedroll. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but she stops that process as she sees you getting ready and she walks over and she says, Wait, I need a dwarven accent real quick. Just Scottish. Female Scottish. Well, you can't say it. I need the accent. Do you have accent? It looks like you're cooking up a fine stew there. Are you making supper? That is 
too many of them. <laughs> I appreciate I appreciate the enthusiasm. I mean, yeah, in that volume and that amount, almost offensive. I mean, to be honest, just a little bit. Look at me. Why, why, why don't you point to somebody and say to say something? I tried to by poignantly looking at Eric, but I, I opened my mouth and I was so overwhelmed good. as well. I know <laughs> you were the only that one that could call me. I could You have an Aurora voice. Give me. Oh, I, I know, but I know, but I do so <laughs> many voices and hear so many voices. That sometimes <laughs> I just need to hear a couple sentences of a dwarf and then it puts me in the. Well, I want to bring spotlight. I want to hear Eric's Aurora. Okay, uh, fine. Very well. I'm thinking of a movie called Secret of Roninish, which has amazing accents in it. And, the, and and one that I recall sounds a little bit like Young Jimmy was picking flowers. Okay, right, fine. <laughs> a scream corn. Says, Could I assist with the with, with the prep? This. He says says I need some of this moss torn and clumps into little bits. And he looked at her for a long time for a moment and he says, the grapes practice the fundamentals. <laughs> and she says, okay. And she grabs it and she says, like this? And she starts like tearing it apart. It's a little bit smaller. Little and she starts pulling like she's fo- She is intently following directions. When she is engaging in an activity like this, she is trying to engage. You give the instructions, and she's not like, yeah, I know, I get it. She she is like, okay, a little bit smaller. Like she is focused, pulling apart that moss into the uh, into the little uh, cookware that you yeah. got there. There's more in okay, here. Keep going. Um, <laughs> be more grumpy. Um, and uh, excellent. So uh, I would love. Um, uh, would love. He's gonna basically cook some food. He's specifically. Uh, well, let me do the roll and let me describe it. Um, yeah. Can I? Uh, I'm using a cook utensils, which I'm proficient with. Uh huh. Um, but I've never actually done one of these checks. What? Uh, so you use an what, ability score. What ability would this be? Am I still aiding you? Am I still aiding you? Um, yeah, I'm gonna have uh, an aid either basically from you or let me get from you. Um, but uh. And he uh, and he has a little bit of slug slime on his upper lip, um, and uh, aids his spelling abilities. You really wish you didn't kill that. Great um, what uh, what really ability? What ability should I use, Greg? Um, for cooking. Survival. Wisdom or Dex seems like this is the ability score first, and then he gets Wisdom proficiency because he's good at cooking. Charisma. It's all in the presentation. All in the pre- <laughs> Convincing people to do it. I don't know. Suggest something. Wisdom. Wisdom, wisdom or Dex seemed likely to me. It's it's it's, it's got to be wisdom. Know it, you know what? It's survival. It's a survival check. Cooking is survival. Um, cool. sounds good. Uh, anyway, is it officially wisdom. survival? Because I am. Well, they have the tool proficiency. Mega survival. Wisdom, cooking utensil check. It's a wisdom check with because you have cooking because you have cooking tools proficiency. Right. You get the proficiency bonus. Uh, yeah, so yeah, he and he's he's kind of going with that angle, so I get a roll from you. He You're getting advantage with the slug slime. Alright, you get no 10. I'll take yours. Um, okay, so that is 14 plus 6, so that's a total of 20. 20, that is excellent really good um, and they the uh, the the main star of this there's there's some food there's some kind of filling food there's a, some good like calories to consume but the big thing you focus on is uh, from from the this underdark root from this um, moss and fungus that he saw kind of on the way that he grabbed um, he makes like a a drink that is like this kind of this like dark green yellow 
but it is like has like the the texture of like kind of coconut milk kind of thing where it's like thick and creamy. Like a milk tea. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. It's like a milk tea, and it is um, and it is uncharacteristic for other food that he's made, where it's like you're muscling past something and there's like a benefit there. It is immediately comforting. Like it is comforting forward, um, and uh, fortifying. And yeah, and it's fortifying. It's warm. It's like hot. Mm. And we've been in the, like the dark. I imagine the underwear is always kind of cold for me. I don't know. Yeah. Cold. So it's like yeah, it's probably cold for most everyone except for. Oil. Yeah. It's like warming. It's <laughs> filling. It's got a good mouth feel. Good flavor. And it's like just it's a very it's the the idea is is a comfort. How, how does the second place that that goat uh, goat's milk it yearning? Is. It's okay. Much better. Okay. And uh, and Scrim uh, and Scrim looks at his brother and says, "We've been through a lot, and we're we're bound to deal with a lot more starting tomorrow morning. But the closer we get to Deja, and, fi- and we're moving towards Deja to get to the pool of souls and get to the bottom of this curse, or get to get to get a, a, not a lead, What's it called?" Relief, relief from this curse mm-hmm. for these dwarves, and he like says this in like, in like the group. You know, yeah, yeah, we're all just around. And he says, "When we find her, we'll get some answers about your arm, mm. your blood, about why I exist." All right, and he uh, drinks deep from his uh, from his wooden cup. I have to say, brother, this is the nicest thing you've ever made. Is that? So it'll have to do. Mm. Tristan um, has brought his book to the table, uh, as he always does, uh, and he drinks this. What's oh, oh, the mosquitoes are just the perfect size. Um, uh, and he's looking through Zolmar's spell book. I assume, like many wizards, this is a collection of spells and other notes, and just thinking about the options that we have with the idea of the smuggler's cave. He's curious about what Zolmar has written down about the the portal they use, maybe notes on like how they made it, uh, and and things like that, because if they can just portal yeah, contact. Portal, then that's perfect. Roll um I think this is an investigation. You're really trying to sort of piece yeah. you're trying to read between the lines. You're trying to piece together a lot of notes. Ciao. Uh, it's gonna be a nineteen or my passive twenty-two. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Oh, Tristan. Um, <laughs> I mean, you took a whole feat to get that. You get to have it. It's true. <laughs> when it comes to investigation, Tristan gets to automatically yeah. get a uh, world-class thing. That's right. Like that's. You I spend mean, a whole feat on a non-combat thing. You better fucking understand <laughs> when you look at the goddamn crime scene. All right, so uh, Zolmar's uh, spellbook is a little bit of a combination. There's uh, there's a section where he's recorded the spells, and this is like very understandable by Justin. They mm-hmm. are very sort of common, while every wizard has a different way of recording their spells, they all have to record a lot of the same principles. It's a little bit like uh, in in the modern world, we might think of mathematics. You could have different ways of representing 
the fundamentals of mathematics, but you're speaking, you're all speaking the same language. And once you decipher the way that a person represented integers and addition and these different sort of core mathematical principles, you can understand what they wrote down. And that's the spellbook portion. That's where Justin has already sort of explored fairly well these specific spells. Do these steps, follow these things, say these words, use these components, and result in this effect. But there's a whole other section of his book that's uh, like research notes. Justin's also well aware of this. He has his whole own tomes of mm -hmm. his own research notes. The research notes have been, I, I assume Justin's been perusing them yeah. occasionally, but they are much harder to understand because research notes don't have to be written in the universal language of wizards. They, they're like, they can be stream of consciousness, your own way of recording your own observations. There's so much subjectiveness. Moriarty's journal. Yeah, it makes it, it can be, it can be, it could take years to decipher the meaning or the thinking behind what someone was writing. But Jerson thinking you're thinking specifically about this, like the smugglers the yeah, teleportation. Yeah, looking up what he knows about that. And he revisits sort of these these pages that he's looked through before with a new sort of very focused mind uh, that you might call a 22 investigation. <laughs> and uh, and he's looking at it, and sure enough, he sees a whole section that before he did not interpret as this sort of research at all, because again, it's written in its his own script. But there's enough patterns mm -hmm. in the writing there's enough there's enough Reference. thing references things that just line up that now that Jerson puts his mind in that context he sees it's clear that Zolmar was trying to understand the portaling technology that is not just the smugglers portal but now that he's looking at it the Haya Maskar uh, official portal mm -hmm. and also bits and pieces that he has no idea where he got them from. It's not just reverse engineering these portals that existed. But Zomar seemed to have been engaging in some very specific, deep research into portaling and te teleportation in general. And Jerusalem is finding whole sections on this uh, in this journal. Now, again, they are research notes. They are scattered. They are, uh, they are far from a spell. Mm-hmm. But he sees there's something there. This could be engaged and this could be explored. There's something yeah. to find here. So he'll bring it over to Taita and he'll show Taita the notes. And uh, he'll explain, uh, uh, Taita, uh, this is the spellbook of uh, a wizard from Haya Massacre who was engaged in the, uh, the the black market smuggling between Deepa Massacre and Haya Massacre. Uh, I was curious about what he knew about the portal technology, and what would you say about this? Was, was he close? Is this something we could use to get to the surface? <laughs> um, Taita. What was Taita doing before you talked to her? She was. She was eating, she's not eating. She was. She doesn't need to eat, and she has been spending a fair amount of time looking at that parchment. She has less concern about comfort, but not no concern about comfort. Meditating, just thinking about stuff. 
She wanted this. She was staring. Does she ever do maintenance on her robot body? That's what she was doing. Thank you. That's a great one. She was actually, she had like a set of small tools and was actually working on her own golem body. And as you walk up to her, you hear her just mumbling like, "Uh, some kinks to work out here. Uh, Yes. I'm glad we got the Make 5 or the Mark 5 model. It would have been disastrous if it was the Make 4. And, and uh, as Dursing comes over and uh, and then uh, she kind of looks up and then flexes each of her knuckles on her sort of articulated... Remember, they're, they're, they're very clawed fingers. They each come to a point uh, as the miniature, wherever it holding it. Oh, Dan's holding the miniature. <laughs> He's touching it. As, uh, as she like flexes them like one at a time, carefully closes, opens, and, and she says, uh, yes. Uh, she says, uh, would you mind me perusing that journal myself for a moment here? And, there. and she looks and she says, uh, yes, it does appear that this particular wizard uh, was engaged in trying to understand the the technology behind the portals that connect High Mascar and Deepa Mascar. He made a significant progress as well. This is fascinating. Uh, added a lot of his own understanding in here. Uh, in addition, just it. She looks and she goes silent for a moment and stares just into the page, completely still. And a whole minute passes and she comes out of herself and she says, I have just accessed my memory and I am recalling a particular acquaintance that I, uh, that I used to hundreds of years ago I used to engage with regularly in my astral projections, socialization with other wizards throughout the world. Uh, it is similar to how I met and uh, became dear friends with Arundel, who you're all... Who's who's in earshot of this conversation? Oh, we're all just around. We're eating. We're Everyone's like, yo, they're eating. Is this in the camp? So yeah. everyone just probably kind of hears it, unless they're engaged in their yeah. own... Conversation. Like she she conversation. speaks a bit loudly. She actually has a little bit of a of like a she's volume a control problem. Uh, she's <laughs> this is a body she's uncomfortable with. She speaks a little loud. She's like there's a lot of just sort of the tones are social right. awkwardness in the way that she is. So she's, it's not she's, awkward. It's more odd. She's she's yeah. Really it's not. It's it's just a little awkward. But you're right. It's more just odd. She's yeah. more just a little bit different. Like she just talks a little bit loud, but it doesn't sound like yelling at all. It just sounds. Voluminous, like Alexa's turned up a little too loud, like unnormalized. Um, so <clears throat> and sorry, uh, I am recalling a wizard that I was once an acquaintance with, he too was studying portaling technology for as you may know in the eras of old many many centuries or perhaps even millennia before my time teleportation was a 
I wouldn't say common, but not an unheard of uh, resource for those with the means to uh, pay for such a thing. The great wizards in the era of heroes would create uh, teleportation circles, as they say, and create travel networks to travel all throughout the surface world and even the Underdark itself. Uh, it is... Uh, it was... And it was this wizard who was... Uh, he dedicated his life... Uh, sorry, he de she dedicated her life to studying... Uh, to studying this technology and uh, and bringing a return to it, I was had many late night conversations with this wizard, and I uh, was very fascinated in what she was working on. She played it a bit close to the chest, though, and I regret to say that about a hundred years ago, hundred and four years ago to be exact, she stopped showing up to our meetings and I never heard from her again. I wonder if perhaps her research could be combined with what we see here. I... And, and then she takes a moment again and she says, let me check. And she flips a couple pages in this tome that Jerusalem's looking at. And then again she just goes silent. Just stares at the page. Is she okay? She's completely still. For a minute, and then two minutes. He says, "This is absolutely fascinating." <laughs> Zolmar had a unique, had a unique perspective on magic. For it seems to be, if I'm reading between the lines properly here, that he was very focused on chronomancy. I also feel his daughters as well. Fascinating. It is obvious from his notes that all of his thinking comes from a chronomactic uh, view of the world. It is, it is. It has provided him with many insights into this, uh, into these arcane. In, in, <laughs> distracting me. Uh, into these arcane, into this arcane sigils, and uh, it is. It seems to be foundational to his understanding of the arcane weave. I have to admit, I'm extraordinarily fascinated by this uh, by this research. I would like to peruse more of this book at a later time, if you would permit me. But that's a bit of an aside. Oh, of course, uh, I, I'm not one to hold on to knowledge. I have gotten that sense of you. Uh, <laughs> you seem to open your mouth quite frequently. I, 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 I couldn't say that I share the same sentiment as a personal mm. philosophy, but I appreciate it in others because I, I benefit. benefit. Uh, and <laughs> I think I'll have time to convince you. So I would quite like to see you do that. Uh, but uh, regardless, as I uh, look into this, uh, I am seeing a great deal of innovative and fascinating thought into this into this research I, I would only wish that we could that we could talk to uh, Galvanus uh, this wizard I've told you about she was she was brilliant in her field singularly minded on solving this problem but regretfully I have not heard from her in a long time I know you talked to her in the ethereal plane do you have any idea of where she 
existed in the physical one. I do, I do. She confided in me before we became, uh, I wouldn't say close friends, but I would say trusted acquaintances. She operated out of a secluded village north of the Sea of Fallen Stars. Human? Elf? Dwarf? That does not limit you very much. Uh, she was an elf. Oh, an elf! <laughs> she wasn't a human. Oh. I mean, if she went silent a hundred years ago as a human, you probably had a luck. See, I'll think if we... If we combine this with her research, we could awaken this old... Old magic? Well, I can say with certainty that if she knew, if she had access to this book and this innovative thinking, uh, teleportation and portaling is not my strongest field, although I am generally aware of the principles, for we had to build many uh, portals to the uh, to the celestial plane in order to do our uh, our various mining operations that we did. But, but portaling to another plane of existence is quite a bit different than teleporting amongst the same plane. It sounds strange that moving amongst the same plane is actually a more difficult problem to solve than simply moving to another plane, but the, uh, but, but once you understand the core principles at play here, it becomes quite obvious. Uh, just, I would find that uh, uh, that Galvanus would have been extraordinarily interested in this research here. And she just kind of stares for a moment and says, if only we could... If only we could speak to her again or understand what she knew, this could be... This could be... This could be a breakthrough. We could try an arcane research. Norwell, you sent ascending recently? He says, I, I have attempted. That is how we organized our astral meetups. Unfortunately, I have received no response. What are your capabilities, by the trying. way? I know you are an accomplished researcher. You And magical whatnot. Do you... Can you cast spells in that form? I don't, I don't recall what... What do you, what can you do? You know much, that is certain. She says, it is an excellent question. She says, this body is new to me, and the body is inexorably tied to one's capability of interacting with the, uh, with the natural energies that weave throughout the world, as I'm sure Drewston and you and Scrimcorn all understand with your varying commands of the uh, with the energies that flow throughout to all of us. Physical form is irrelevant. As I am in this new body, she endorses it. As I am in this new body, I find myself uh, struggling to understand how to tap into the energies that I found so natural in my uh, form at the experimentation center. I'm confident that they will return to me, but I regret to say I find myself a tad limited now, and as we have moved further and further away from Deep Amaskar, I find it more and more difficult to access my memory, uh, access my my memory and generally my uh, uh, expanded uh, knowledge capabilities uh, that are mostly housed at the experimentation center. Don't get me wrong, this body is 
a remarkable achievement of arcane engineering and can house far more than any mortal body possibly could. I am a superior being, if we're just speaking factually here, but... She says, it will take me some time to understand how... Are you stronger than Bearjaw? Oh, I would say certainly not at this point in time. Perhaps as I learn to command this body more proficiently, I... Sure. Just as far as rocks you can lift. She says, I would not uh, place a bet against myself in that... Or I would not place a bet against Bearjaw in that competition. Mm. That would be the first smart thing you have said. I'm just saying, sounds like we're going to be in a fight all hands on deck sort of a situation. I just want to know what we can count on you for. Well, I, in the short term, in the short term, I regret to say that while I think I may be proficient with a quarterstaff, for example, and could fling a spell or two, should it come to that, uh, that I will need some time to understand how to use this body to its maximum effectiveness uh, when detached from the consciousness network that I enjoyed at the experimentation center. So you'd prefer to remain on the rear lines, I suppose, then? Yeah, for the time being. It would be best to preserve the effectiveness of this body until I can learn to command its faculties to its maximum capabilities. Understood, because it's likely to get hairy tomorrow. Uh, that is your... true, and that has been on my mind. You'll have to keep your head down. Well, I, one thing lift. I want to assure you of is that I will not be a burden to you on this journey. I can hold my own at the very least, and I can keep up. And if I can't, then you deserve to leave me behind. Right, Boxes so. across the fire, putting increasingly detailed etchings into the small collection of gems that he brought with him. Mach has, you know, only so much time every week to, you know, put into gem crafting. You know, the the, the days that they were in kind of the, the manor within the city, you know, more opportunity to craft. Days on the road fighting Neolithids, less time. But ever since they left Basically, the town of after the centaurs. I don't know what it was called. Ash Ashfish Town. Yeah, he hasn't had time to trade gems at all, and so has just continued to invest more and more time in this small pool of gems that he has, yeah. and they've become works of art. The raw materials themselves are of high quality from Aurora's father, from all the glitters. But uh, they're not like they're not extremely priceless in their in their kind of classification. It's not like he's working with like rubies and diamonds and sapphires, more mid-tier precious stones. But tourmalines, moonstones, jades, yeah, <laughs> jets, opals. So he's just he's putting in increasing detail, increasing the value of them as he cr- puts more and more artistic flair and kind of layering and telling the stories around him. And as he sits there with these fine gem cutting tools and, and his scope kind of putting in kind of like the, the fine uh, details and and, and and again just just bringing to life the beauty within these gems, he looks to Taita who seems to be fumbling a little bit with her own body, not unlike a very finely crafted instrument herself, and he says, if you need any help with the adjustments, 
Let me know. My cousin is a proficient craftsman, a renowned gym crafter amongst the clans. To mock, she looked like she was like trying to get her hands to work and then trying to tune her own body with hands that she was trying to get to work. And so he just remarks. He's been studying the crafting of magical items as well with some small success. And uh, so he, he might be a worthwhile assistant with whatever you've got going on there. Taita looks to... I'd recommend him. Taita looks to mock. It looks to mock with her faceless face. This mini gives a good reminder that she doesn't have a face. It's just like there are no eyes, no. It's just like a pointed at you, sort of. Yeah, glo- exactly. Yeah, <laughs> glowing crystal ball pointed. Yeah, but uh, it's but like it's a but it's a fairly it's a fairly narrow opening from this hood yeah. that goes over it. So it's kind of obvious when she's looking at you because she turns her whole head towards you. Okay. Um, You're never gonna get a glance, but you will get her. Yeah, setting herself. The gaze. And she looks and she says, "I." find myself feeling a bit of a conflict between self-reliance that I have enjoyed for a great number of years uh, and needing the support of others in order to act most efficiently. But it certainly is the most logical course of action to build trust and rapport with those that I will be traveling with for uh, potentially a number of months in the upcoming struggle against this great evil against your kind and therefore I will choose to engage with you in this in order to build our rapport and establish a more uh, close working relationship with one another as then walks over and holds out her hand to you he shakes the hand I, which I see assumes the gesture that he says I find that the most brilliant of gem designers are different from the greatest gem cutters. And uh, I don't know who designed that body of yours, but I don't imagine that they're the ones who built it. And uh, you have intimate knowledge of the workings? Ah, that can be your piece that you bring. Let me do the handiwork. And uh, she then nods and sits down and her face sort of glow like glows a light blue for a moment and then she uh, sits down she says yes I'll explain it to you it's a bit of a genius engineering if I do say so myself and just sort of trails off to do a long explanation of mostly like techno babble to to mock there yeah well I mean as long as uh, she keeps it within the range of things that can be done physically again if this is electronics it's far beyond. No, but if this is, but if this is lightning like, rods. If this is like no, beyond his understanding, is, is this comparable to like clockworks? That's very much in his realm. The Mock will have to explore yes. this body uh, and understand oh. the intricacies. Nobody's <laughs> looking. <laughs> Nobody has been more killing him in all of his life. <laughs> um, I find her fascinating. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> As the evening Peel back the layers. As the evening carries on conversations and various camaraderie uh, Many rounds of begin and end Moss milk 
Moss milk. Moss milk. More moss milk. Delicious. Grim. As people the eat their eat their meal for the evening, and it starts to get a little late in the evening, feeling about time to turn in for those of you that prefer to turn a bit early. Aurora. Baron likes his eight hours. Aurora. It's good for the spells. Saunters over. She's cleaning some of the cookware and some of the uh, dishes KP. for the group. That's good moss milk. KP, right? Kitchen control. She uh, does some of her KP, washing dishes, and she heads on over. And then she walks over to the scrim corn. She says, A scrim corn. Scrim corn. Aye. When I say I, I'm using the dwarven word for it. We know. I don't. We haven't forgotten. Because <laughs> Scrim speaks dwarven! Yes, man. I, <laughs> I heard from Oilvane that back in my hometown, her hometown was Silver Moon, right? That's Correct. All of a sudden, they had a doubt. That's right. That's born. Wow, that was a long time born ago. Born and raised. She's a local. She's so far from home. Native. Not, not, not from Dwarf Clan. Oh. And, and I, I understand. I'm not your. I'm not your. Your blood and your kin, but you shared with him some of your, uh, some of your more potent mixtures, and I was interested. In Say no to drugs, Aurora. <laughs> and I'm interested in uh, trying out to see what I might see. She wants to get high. Hey, Scrim. she's young. She's heard about drugs. She's like, she's interested. Scrim takes. Mind, man. Scrim takes a long puff on his on his uh, on his pipe, which has some odd colored kind of kind of smoke coming out of it, but it's not, you know. It's not his, it's not his crazy stuff. Um, What's the color of the odd colored smoke? Um, it's like a, it's like a very muted purple. Okay. It's like a purple say, gray. It's a purple gray. Purple gray. Okay. Yeah. Seems. Um, continuing. And um, and thinks for a moment, and he says, "Hey, um," and he looks at her for a while, and he says, "It's Aurora." We survived the septicemia business. We can go down that road. But not before. She sort of came in with a very demure, sort of very quiet demeanor. And then she just stands up, almost puffs up her chest. And she says, what do you mean? He says, frankly, I would avoid any of my stronger brews, even myself, until we at least encounter these enforcers of the witches. But, but why do you say that? He says, you shared it with your brother. He says, I've been fighting along with you. I've uh, engaged with you in the psychic assault of the Mind Flayer. Am I not an equal with you in, this, in, in these endeavors? He says, don't treat me like a child. He says, he says, 
What's her What's her last name? What's her uh, surname? Yeah, what, 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 do we know her surname? Aurora? Uh, it's not yeah. Warlord. Yes, I know that. It's, it's, yeah, I know that. It's yeah. Master... Bar- Barvik is her father's name. Right, Barvik, yeah. Barvik is her father's oh, but first, first name. Father's first name, Barvik. and then all the glitters is the store. Barvik... Basically, has a name been established? If not, we need to establish one. I think it has been established. I just can't remember on the top of my head. I'm looking for it, but I can't find it. Because if I accidentally stumble and say Warload... Let's say her last name appropriately, and let's look it up over the current week. Just say Aurora for now. Okay. So... And if not, we need to double glove. That's an oversight. He, um, he uses her last name, um, her, her surname, as kind of like an, an exasperation. You love doing that. And he said, exactly. Bullhammer! 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 And he says, Aurora! And maybe, like, and this is like... Uh, like okay, here it is. And then we've probably only said it, like, one time in the entire sounds, story. Sounds about right it's, to uh, more impactful. Thranidar. Can we spell that? Yeah. It was Barvik Thranidar and Aurora Thranidar. T-H-T-H-R-A-N-A-D-A-R. Oh, that is. Thranidar. Thranidar. He's... He kind of this clearly strikes a nerve, and we're at, and this is like at the at the circle that we're all at, and he stands up, and he and he says, "Master Thranidar, I don't want you using those intoxicants. Those intoxicants, because I don't know what'll happen to any of us if we end up communicating with the witches, with their enforcers on the way." Fool of a joke! <laughs> it is with that mentality. It is, it is with that tone. Arr! And he's like mad because clearly, like, he's, she has no idea what she's doing. She's out of her depth. There is an ounce, there's a tiny ounce of fear and concern in Scrimcorn's voice. Hmm. And he says, <clears throat> He says, well, you're off limits for anyone, regardless of their status in this crew. She, she drops down just. Half an inch in her puffed up, her puffed up chest. Which is a significant percentage of her height. That's right. <laughs> it's like it's a third. And so uh, small. And she, she says, "I'm sorry. As long as that's the reason, and not because I'm. As long as that's the reason." Scram. Slams his staff on. He takes his staff, which is probably like laying on the ground at this point. And he grabs it and he slams it um, in the ground, and um, and he and he points at the preserved poison dart frog that is on the staff. And he points at it. and He says, "You are an equal." And he slams it back down, and, they, and he goes back looking at the fire. She stands there for a couple more seconds. And she says, very well. You're wise. And then she sort of walks off swiftly to her bedroll. And she had already laid out all of her stuff, like, next to her bedroll. And she just starts, like, rearranging them. Just moving things from one spot to another and another spot to another. And just, like, starts doing that. Just, like, completely enraptured by that. And regardless of whoever's on watch... Scrim stays up late into the night just sitting on his dirt mound. Totes. 
Eating his curds and whey. Oil Day was doing part of his watch, but on the on his patrol, he kind of stops by Aurora's, uh, uh, what you call it, her uh, setup of her bedroll before she goes to bed, and he says, "That's probably for the best, Aurora. I'm trying to quit myself." (laughs) (laughs) And we'll continue next week. (laughs) Yeah. Very nice. So current champs, we got it. Love triangle brewing between Taita, Essen, and Mach. Certainly. I think, uh, I mean, the world being reinforced by that he's still a teenager. Aurora's still young. It's true. Could be a cross cultural romance. (laughs) Possible. It's not. I haven't seen any of that budding, frankly. Yeah, I think uh, I think Oil Vane's more interested in that sweet dark berry he encountered with yeah, the hands of Ao. Oil is lusting after the unattainable. The far side of the flea bone.